Hello and welcome to the Saladcast on Sunday the 11th of February 2018. I'm your host Dan Train. Joining me today, Zachary Burgess. Get ready for hail on Valentine's Day apparently. <laughs> and Robert Kemp. Great. <laughs> mm. Forget about uh, Valentine's Day. Bomb, not just a random noise. Shuffling over. <laughs> yeah. I've got hail to right now. I've got hail right now. I don't know. <laughs> it took about three minutes to get from Ipswich to London. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Maybe it was simultaneous then because it was probably three minutes ago here or maybe a bit earlier. Maybe it's going the other way. I don't think we measure time zones in minutes, do we? Like, you're not free. But... Yeah, but it's travel time. It's not a time zone. Travel <laughs> time. <laughs> but I'm east. Know, it's just of... the way you described Sorry. it. It's just I'm... like, it happened three minutes ago. I'm west of you guys, so... Does it go yeah, west to east? Down from the north, though. Ah, because this is a northerly weather system we're in at the moment. That makes sense. All the cold shit's coming down from the Arctic. Fair enough. So yeah, I guess it's blowing across us into London, where it gets popped by tall buildings. All the weather comes across, just hits the shard, and it just pops it, and it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> That's what weather balloons are, right? Yeah, clearly. Balloons of weather. <laughs> balloons of weather. Yeah. <laughs> that float along until they hit a very tall, spiky building. Yeah, and then they burst into effect and then they're gone. That's why uh, you got those red skies last year. You know, the red balloon turned up. There's only probably... 99 of them, don't you know? <laughs> this explains a lot. I should probably not work somewhere that's 10 minutes from the shard that's probably a bad idea <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just gonna get all the weather yeah <laughs> i suppose is a is wind a lack of weather or something it's like it feels the absence of weather but you usually get weather and wind together don't you sometimes <laughs> i think you get weather whether or not there's weather there is always weather. That's true. But some places don't really have weather, right? They're like just the same every day. Like, like Does that, does that count as not having weather? Or kind of. Is weather the transition of weather? I don't know whether the weather is the transition of weather. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could be. Because that's the thing about, you know, stereotype about British people is we just talk about weather all the time, which we're proving really? once once again. But that's only because we have weather, because weather is... Yeah, because weather is the change of weather. Not, right? Although if, guess, if it just stayed yeah. the same all the time, you wouldn't talk, you wouldn't talk about weather. No. <laughs> you wouldn't go outside and say, that sun... Still there. Well, Am do, I right? You do talk about it if it's in an unusual state for a long period of time. Like if it if it's changed to a new state but then stays there for a long time, that gets talked about as well. You go to yeah. Greenland and go, hey, look, there's snow today. <laughs> but if it changed to a new state and stayed there for like three years, you wouldn't. You'd stop talking about it. <laughs> I don't know if you would though. Only because it's remarkable, need- right? Yeah. No, you'd, you'd get all of them. Um, at that point, it'd be like climate change. And you'd be yeah. like, well, yeah. we fucked this up somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, it would all about be about reminiscing at that point, right? The conversation. Yeah. We'd still talk about weather. And it's like, oh, I remember in my day. There and was the hail. Like frozen. <laughs> and you couldn't ice skate all the way to France. <laughs> Google suggested using a jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of ice skates, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> 
snowmobile. Well, what's best for ice? What's the best vehicle on ice? Uh, rally car. <laughs> A rally car with studded tires. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Bobsled. Rocket tire bobsled. Yeah. Trying to think about but you get where you need to go real quick. But then you might not be able to stop where you need to go. <laughs> no. You might continue to go past where you needed to go. You need a very controlled burn. <laughs> Speaking of controlled <laughs> birds, did you see the SpaceX launch news? I didn't. You didn't? I didn't. Wow. See, I, didn't see, I, I saw that the rocket looks a bit like a cock. <laughs> All rockets look <laughs> a bit like a cock. <laughs> I know, but this one has like an especially bulbous head. <laughs> Well, that's well, because there was a whole car in there. Yeah, but the I car just, didn't, didn't actually take detail. up the uh, the all the space inside those fairings. I don't think. I think it was only like half full, if if that. Well, cars aren't really that big, and there, there was a small car as well. Cars aren't designed to be space filling, unlike things no. you put in a rocket. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> they were designed to like unfold, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Did you watch his egg? It was live on. YouTube. I didn't watch it live. What oh. highlights? What's whatever. the big deal of this launch compared to the other SpaceX launches? Well, this just, one's a lot bigger. It's like big four times rocket. bigger because it's made up. It. <laughs> yeah, and it's also the, which makes it the most powerful rocket in the world currently. Hmm. Uh, it's significantly more um, payload to orbit than the Delta IV Heavy, which is the previous, which is the kind of standard big one that the you know, NASA would use. Hmm. Or the US military or whatever. Mm. And it was the first test launch and like they fully expected it to explode, I think. I think they, they gave it like a 50-50 chance. And it hmm. mostly it, it almost entirely worked, which is quite surprising. The uh the booster so it's made up of like a central core and then two boosters either side, which are like so the the old you know, the other uh, Falcon nines or whatever. It's like three of those together, right? So they use those as boosters rather than like the solid boosters in, you know, for the space dash shuttle. Whatever. Space yeah, yeah. So they come down and land, right? So the two boosters came down and landed simultaneously, which was super cool. Hmm. And then the central core was supposed to land on the ship, but it didn't. It missed. So. Uh. But otherwise, everything everything works, and it was super cool to see the two boosters landing simultaneously, and they and, got and, the car and into not space fall, and not falling over and immediately exploding. As no, no, they landed perfectly, as many YouTube videos show. Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously the um, the central core did it did, but I don't think it like went to the drone ship and then fell over. I think it just like missed completely and smacked into the mm. sea or something. So there's like no footage of that. It, did it like some of the engines turned off? Like it was meant to be slowing down more than it did, so oh, it right. didn't actually make the landing. It just hit the most. <laughs> well, I heard they couldn't start a couple of the engines because they ran out of like lighter fluid. Yeah, it's like they after the burn they used up too much of the starting to stuff, and then they could restart it when it yeah. was that down. Light yeah, flu- they ran out of lighter fluid. Yeah, for the I mean, they didn't put enough cockneys on board. With like, you're a light mate. I don't think Cockney's use lighter fluid for that. <laughs> Spray in your face. Just hope that sets on fire somehow because we don't have any actual ignition in this. No, they just, this they just carry a lot of cigarette lighters. 
I'm, I'm making a broad assumption that all cockneys are smokers. <laughs> and you cigarette smokers. <laughs> Wait, how else do you light your cigarette? Well, you could do it with a match if you wanted. <laughs> I suppose you could. <laughs> Thing is, you don't have to go that far back, and like all everyone was smokers. <laughs> you, True. You know, you can't really like stereotype groups as smokers, really, like traditional groups, because literally everyone from the from the. I think it's. I think it's just in my country. head. It's like you imagine like Pankster programs like EastEnders and stuff like that. You imagine the sort of land and as to be like market stall people. And, <laughs> right. You know, what market stall doesn't have lighters on it? <laughs> Ones that sell things that aren't lighters. <laughs> just, just seems like that. That's always a classic thing for me. It's like you go to a market and it's like oh, that one's got lighters. That one's got lighters. <laughs> that one's got meat. No lighters there. That one's got lighters. And socks. <laughs> socks and lighter stall. <laughs> yeah. And the egg stand. The egg. Those local farmers selling eggs, they tend not to sell lighters. <laughs> Can you land boosters in, in Kerbal? No, and it kind of sucks. Because like there's a couple of the like booster type parts specifically in their description say so like oh it's designed to be reused except you can't actually do that because <laughs> right. no, like you could put like if you want to you can put a parachute on top of a booster and then have it so that when it separates off it then triggers the parachute so that it will the parachute will open once it reaches a low enough altitude and will slow it down but that doesn't actually work because of the way that the world of Kerbal Space Program only calculates actual physics within two kilometers of you, right. the ship that you're actually controlling. Right. So the boosters come off, they fall down, but then it stops calculating the physics for them so that it just doesn't bother to calculate whether the parachutes opened and whether they slowed down enough to survive. They just are assumed to get destroyed when they hit the planet. Hmm. Which kind of sucks. Because <laughs> it would save you a lot of money in career mode if you actually could you reuse the parts. Well, exactly. That's the idea. <laughs> Maybe too much though in Kerbal because it's the recovery value in Kerbal is based only on the distance away from the space station the thing you recover is, not like use or anything. So are these new reusable boosters then a bit of a problem fuel wise? Well, yeah, that's why they said, said with this launch that it was like it didn't it didn't have as much delta v as it could have because they it was in reusable mode rather yep. than expendable mode. Yeah, if you put it in expendable mode, you can fire it more. Yeah. But it still has such massive lift capacity that they could get the car going beyond the orbit of Mars. They had more Delta V than they expected, apparently. Oh, I did see that graphic, actually, of, of where they thought it was going. Because they couldn't actually send it to Mars because Mars is not in the right place at the moment. So they were yeah. like, well, we'll send it sort of if Mars was there in that general direction. What car did they send? Well, Tesla, they send, obviously. yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Elon Musk's original Tesla. Uh, it's, it's like one that he used. Right, what else would you send? I don't know. Toyota Highlights, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> what? They never break. Yeah, exactly. It will still work if you get it back down from space. Oh, yeah. You just, you just need to send a small, small gentleman with a, a, a spanner and he'll sort it out. Small gentleman with a spanner. Top Gear approved. Oh, Top Gear approved. Hmm. I've been watching some of that um, Grand Tour. Never seen it. It's not as good. Really? <laughs> wow. Well, they do. They do the thing that 
it's it's they do the thing that Top Gear is like doing for many years, like just breaking more and more away from doing like a proper car show, which is fine yeah. as long as the comedy works. And it's like you know there are some setups where it's just like okay, this is this is this is just a little too uh, you're you're painting this as a realistic thing, and it's clearly not. And but they basically do it at the edge of tomorrow thing with a military scene at one point, and it's just like no, they're just replaying footage over and over again. This is an excuse for some padding. <laughs> That wasn't mm. very good. Yeah, yeah I mean cool. it's all right. It's it, it's totally watchable, and you can tell they have budget. But it's a uh... yeah, they must have quite a big budget, right? Mm. Doesn't quite hit the old uh, highlights. I've been for some reason. I don't even. A, I'm not really a car person at all. Obviously, don't drive. But um, I started watching this ch- this YouTube channel of this American guy who like reviews cars, but like. He spends, so he'll do like a 20 minute video on a car and he'll do like exotic sports cars and like norm, relatively normal cars and a big range of stuff. But he'll spend the first probably like most of the video, like 10, maybe 10 to 15 of those minutes, just showing you around all the like weird switches and stuff on the, on the interior <laughs> and like, <laughs> like showing you how the door opens and how the, uh, or I actually, actually quite out. like that because those are the things that are going to be most irritating. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's almost like a design, like it's, it's like, you know, it's not really about cars. It's about like weird design quirks and stuff, which is kind of cool. His name's like Doug DeMiro. So check it out. Um, and, and he'll also review really stupid cars and stuff. Like I hadn't realized that the, the stuff around this, you know, there's that like weird, like boxy Land Rover type car. That's a Mercedes. And then for some reason, the massive Jeep thing, yeah, Jeep thing, and then for yeah. some reason it the Kardashians drive it or something. G-Wagon, I think it's a G-Wagon. Yeah, is it a G-Wagon? Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, yeah. G-Wagon. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, the G, G-Class or whatever. It's like a... It, it is like originally like a Land Rover Defender or whatever, but for mm. some reason, that because they're kind of pretty cool looking in a weird boxy way, kind of like the Land Rover Defender, they've got like super, you know, they've got like ridiculous like models with like chrome wheels and stuff and rims and jacked up and everything, ride. and that yeah, and they they've gone super far with it, so now you can get one that's like got portal axles and is like a monster truck basically and it's like super (laughs) leather and plush on the inside and stuff but the problem is it's like still ultimately it's still like a the the core of it is still a shitty like (laughs) g-wagon thing so like you know there's massive like gaps in the panels and everything and nothing really Mm. properly works and stuff and it's like it's quite interesting to watch like a review of that and how weird it is so pretty cool. Yeah, uh, I, I might check that out. That sounds yeah, like I, I've been kind of enjoying those. He does drive the car at the end and stuff, and he always gives it a, like a score. So he he's drive like a car. Yeah, exactly. So his name's Doug, and he gives every car a Doug score. <laughs> Doug <laughs> so weird. Score. Yeah. Anyway, I'll check those out. Because I, uh, I, I could give you a little review right now of the uh, 2016 yeah. Ford Fiesta. Yeah. Why have you been I, driving my, my, Clippers? Car no, 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 no. My car had to go in for uh, repair uh, ah. this week. They're doing a recall on a on the Ford Focus coolant 
sensor or something. Um, so I had to go in and get that sorted out. Uh, and in the meantime, they gave me a, a, a 2016 Ford Fiesta. And uh, it's the first time I've had one of those cars where it's got one of those big ass modern touchscreen yeah. things. Yeah. Is the central thing. Those things seem badly designed. Yeah, they they generally. That's what I'm learning from watching these videos as well. That they all have this infotainment system now, and they all seem bad and with like a low frame rate. Yeah, yeah. But the, the frame rate doesn't really like pop ups. Actually, were weirdly smooth. <laughs> but it was just like like their style choice felt like very old. Yeah, like a bit like Windows ninety five trying to be cool. Sort of. mm, yeah. You know, too many gradients, too many soft edges. And it's like, you could switch it to night mode, which made it all just black with white, simple text on it. And it's like, oh, that's actually a lot better. Right. And you just have that. Um, but even just getting around it, it's just like, it was just, uh, I was just thinking about it. It was like, if I was trying to just get to the radio in my car, there's a button on the dash mm. where I just push it and it says radio. Push the button. Yeah. And it's like, if I have to go to the radio on this, I have to push the sources button. I have to make sure I'm in music panel and then go to the sources button. Yeah. And then in the sources panel, it then puts up a list of things, which may be different whether or not my phone is not, <laughs> is always connected. And this and is then, all like touch screen there. tapping with no. Yeah. And I'm having, so I'm having to look at it. And, and a delay uh, when you tap the thing. Of like, it just seems not great. Yeah. Like they, they, they could streamline this significantly. And I, and I found that when I was trying to use like um, uh, car apps on my new, on my phone, like now I'm in Android land, I've been experimenting with that a little bit, try and find one that works for me. And the conclusion I've come to is don't use them. Mm. <laughs> Just yeah. rig up, rig up your phone. So voice you can voice control most things. Um, I still have a, like, I don't know, my, my phone has a nice smart lock thing where it knows I'm in the car, so it stays permanently unlocked. And if That's I've got cool. it plugged into the um, power, then it doesn't turn the screen off, for instance, under that circumstance. Uh, so that's like that's that's quite nice. That means I can just okay Google everything um, to a certain extent. Um, but then you could just use widgets on the dashboard to like actually control the things you want to control because Android. And it's, as it turns out, that's a way better way of doing it than sort of just limiting yourself to the clunky interfaces that they try and put on. There's even this, you know, Android Auto is a thing. It's a Google made thing that has integration with certain apps and stuff, but actually navigating it to, if I wanted to actually go to the music app and change what it's playing is a, somewhere in a hamburger menu. It's like, it's just the worst thing to actually get around. Mm. I don't know. You would have thought that would have been some kind of like, well, I mean, presumably there was at some point. There must have been some kind of dramatic discussion about like human interface feedback from when you're driving a car. And you're meant to be looking at the road. That's why you have physical buttons that you can feel without having to look at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think there's a middle ground, right? I think you could have the screen do some stuff as long as you provide some buttons as well, hmm. right? Do both. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Or you can have, like I've seen some of them have the coolest stuff I've seen is like buttons like with screens in them or around them. And, oh, you yeah, know, that's like cool. Little, it's that sort of thing. There's a thing at the, um, there was a ridiculous thing at the, um, uh, the I don't know, it's a big, there was a big car show in America recently and um, Nissan were showing um, their new concept things where basically most of the dash is screen. Right. Well, the, the Tesla, you know, the normal Teslas expensive obviously but they have giant giant screens right and not much else but yeah it was like even the center console like where your hand would rest was a screen uh, but, you know, obviously you had stuff in front of the wheel which was a screen there was one in the middle and there was one on the passenger side they were all screens and uh, they had a they built their own like assistant or something 
you know, in the way that people seem to do right now. That was this is the bit I actually really quite liked. Visually, they chose a koi carp, uh, which is which I which you know a really oh, cool. nicely animated, realistic koi carp that swims between the screens. <laughs> I know, I helpfully distracted. I know when you're driving. I know it's utterly it's utterly like it breaks the whole principle. But boy, did it look cool. <laughs> Well, you know, it won't be long until you don't have to drive anyway, so... <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, it depends how ugly they make those um, self-driving cars. I suppose if well, they're not yours, then that's fine, right? <laughs> like, if you book an Uber, then it's self-driving, that'd be fine. But... Yeah. Well... I don't I... think there's any reason why self-driving cars have to look any different. Well, they have to have no. the giant radar towers at the well, moment. Sure, they, they have to have but... some sensors on them somewhere, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily make the actual rest of the car that different. They, they don't just look like cars at the moment, is, what is I guess, the thing, what I mean. It's like they look, they, they look bonkers. They do look just like cars, but with a bit of extra stuff. Set, An enormous, ugly, them. spinning tower. <laughs> well, that's because they've been retrofitted onto existing cars, right? <laughs> I don't think, to a certain I don't extent. I think, like, like was it, there's that Google one that looks like an egg with holes in it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little that. less like things sticking out the top, but yeah. But I don't you that... need? I guess the problem is with like with a lot of the modern techniques, they need they want something sticking out of the top so it can have a big overview of what's what's around it, right? It can sort yeah. of see the, the same radar can see sort of down the sides of the car. Um, yeah, I think that they'll just work on that stuff. All that stuff is still like quite experimental. I mean, even Tesla seem to think that they can do just as well with just like tons of normal cameras rather than like this giant spinning lidar thing so who mm. knows yeah potentially just cover it in connect <laughs> well seeing as the connect is completely cancelled um you're gonna yeah. yeah run out of supply of those we, we might have talked about this on the cast before but i do find it hilarious that face id is basically a connect on iPhone X. Oh, completely! It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's star. It's it's like the original Connect. It's Starfield IR. And yeah, yeah. It it projects infrared dots all over your your, your face yeah. or whatever. Yeah, they just mobilized it. Yeah, I I don't know what I think of like. I mean, like, uh, I kind of well, want you could... <laughs> them to go because <laughs> you know. It's well, a stop. Scares gap. me a little bit because you could you could just kill me and then unlock my phone. Well, that's the <laughs> thing is like <laughs> I don't know if this is a stopgap thing, and they'll go back to um, Touch ID when when they figure out how to mass produce doing it underneath the screen, or whether they'll just right, be like, yeah. nope, now we've now we've gone down this road, we're going to stick with it. Because I'd rather they went back because there are there is already a phone like that some Chinese manufacturers made that can do the touch ID yeah, under the screen. So they just couldn't quite get it done in time, I don't think, Apple, to produce mm. it in the numbers they needed. But I'm hoping that they will switch back to that. But maybe now that they've done Face ID, they might be like, well, we've said this is the best security, so yeah. we'll carry it would, on. Uh, yeah. It would make my phone a lot nicer if because it has got a fingerprint scanner, but it's on the back. It's on the back, yeah. Um, and, it would, but, and it would be a lot nicer if it was on the front under like the home button or something, or mm. where the home button normally sits. Because um, it is a bit of a pain, and the number of times it comes up with just no match, and I'm like tapping the thing. It's like, come on, yeah. <laughs> like I don't, I don't think you're supposed to put the same thing, finger in it multiple times, but I have, and it seems a little better as a mm. result. But you just sort of have to mush your finger around it more, like be like, oh, I've used the top edge, now I've used the bottom edge, now I've used the sides. Mm. Mash the weird back panel with your pads now 
Also, Samsung Pay doesn't seem to work anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it worked for a hot second. Yeah. <laughs> and, I could, uh, and I could like pay for parking and things like that by tapping my phone, and that was kind of cool. And going to Morrison's, and I could tap my phone, and then it would like I'd have a record of what I'd, uh, of you know payments I'd made and stuff like that on the phone. And it's like this. This seems neat. And yeah, no one nowhere seems to accept it. It's like suddenly stopped working. Yeah. And it's like okay, great. <laughs> Maybe I'll try Android Pay instead. Yeah, probably. Payment things. For some reason, Barclays decided to send me a new bank card, even though my current one was like multiple months away from expiring. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> why do I have this? Well, you see, I quite, I, I don't mind it when they do that. That's fine. Like, yeah. uh, like send, sending it early. Yeah, now I have to memorize the new last four numbers. <laughs> uh, oh, so hard. <laughs> it is because I can barely remember the previous ones because I remembered the one before that too well. <laughs> Why, why do you remember them if you have the physical yeah. card? Can't you just look at it? I can't be bothered to take it out of my wallet all the time when I'm buying stuff on Steam. I just remember the whole string and just type it in. It's much bigger. Mm. Okay. I use PayPal. <laughs> that solves that problem for me. <laughs> I just have to remember my ingeniously complicated password phrase. <laughs> yeah, also another thing you do technically have to remember. Oh, but I love my. I'm, I'm, I love my. Weirdly, I have a lot of passwords now. I've got a lot better at doing passwords, but I do try and not just auto-generate them. I'll make them something ingenious and stupid, none of which I can tell you, which makes this a no, terrible yeah. anecdote. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind yeah. like, of fun having even. a password generation scheme in your head <laughs> and thinking about how to make stuff that's somewhat secure that you can actually remember. Normally it's sort of related around in-jokes we're, we're talking about at the time. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but then I just obscure it. As long as they're never, memorable. Yeah. As long as they actually remain actual in-jokes and not just something that we did one time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put them in a password manager as well just to, you know, just, just in case, because I will forget all the complications and you have so many of them now. If you're doing it right, or vaguely right, I still use crap ones for like retail, like sites that I'm probably going to use once. Mm. The old classics. <laughs> the classics. The worst the thing about that, the old classic passwords, is that we all, all three of us we, use them. All three of us have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so I have replaced all of those now. I think. <laughs> yeah, most of mine are different now, but there's still a few. The ones but I don't particularly care about. Well, sometimes I'll just use the old classics just to make them longer. Just mash it onto what oh, I'm also doing. You'll like, use it as a suffix. Yeah. Or a prefix. Yeah. Or in the middle. Just throw it in there. Just, <laughs> just making the password longer in general. It's fine. Well, we've never had any surprise guests on the salad cast from someone using our password. That's true. Hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, but that wouldn't just be from someone. That would have to be the IP address as yeah. well yeah. For, our, for our TeamSpeak server. Now, now we're just inviting it. <laughs> Come at me, bro. Yeah, come at us. That would be hilarious. <laughs> oh, please don't break my PC. Oh, no, just just turn up on TeamSpeak. That. That'll be fine. Yeah, just a TeamSpeak. <laughs> Nothing else. <laughs> I think we did. I'm sure I had it once. Once upon a time when I was running a chat server, I did have a random turn up. Yeah, I think I remember that. I can't remember how or why. I don't think they said anything. <laughs> we just all turned up. Could happen. <laughs> Yeah. So you went to the chat server with that. I'm like, good job. <laughs> Just listening to our intimate secrets. 
about video games and news. <laughs> the news of the video games, which we shall launch into now. <laughs> How convenient! Oh, virtually none of it that there is. What's uh, been going on? Yeah, it's not not very exciting news, I suppose. Kaz uh, Hirai is leaving Sony. Well, he's oh, stepping yeah. down as CEO. He's not leaving. <laughs> no, Sony. yeah, he's just not running the show anymore. Uh, to be replaced with, uh, I'd always get his pronunciation wrong. Y- Yoshida, anyway. Kine- Kinichiro? Yoshida? Or something like that? Anyway, he of Twitter fame or something at one point in time. <laughs> he was like Sony's tweet boss. So is that who we're getting at E3 now? Uh, no, the- I doubt we'll get either of them because this is CEO of all of Sony. Not just the gaming. Well, maybe Kazurai will come back to games. Yeah, or possibly. Or maybe I'll just retire. I don't know. The thing is, is I, I read the list of titles these guys have. They have like 20 different company titles or something. It's ridiculous. So good luck trying to figure out what they actually do. What is your job? Everything at the top. Yeah, so that's happening. We're probably still not going to get him turning up on stage going Ridge Racer anytime soon. Do you reckon we'll see another Ridge Racer game? Thinking about it, probably. I mean, it's been a while. Why? Why would they not? Hmm. <laughs> that seems or, to be or, done. Though, it's not a new one, then a re-release. Yeah, <laughs> it does mm. seem like a while though. It only seems like a while because the last ones were bad, so you didn't pay as much attention. Yes, like unbounded. <laughs> I do actually have a copy of that. Yes. I do want to play it as well. Uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, my notes are too Rob far away. Rob can't read his notes from this far for me to read. Helpful. Why did uh, you not open them on your phone? I could have done, so I thought that would take longer. <laughs> no, I meant beforehand. Why did you not just open them on your phone? Because using OneNote on my phone is actually becoming somewhat inconvenient, because it's like, I, I, use, I use OneNote for basically everything, and it's, uh, it's actually not that great, not that good at searching your notes. Like, actually getting around it is kind of a pain. You just have your podcast notes in a separate folder that's, like, on the main list that's labelled very obviously that it's the podcast note folder. I mean, so, yes, but, <laughs> but, like, I have so many notes that it's quite deep down the tree. Well, we just stick a star in front of it and put it at the top of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, let's talk Nintendo, then. There's, there's a few bits of Nintendo news. Uh, Mario Kart Tour has been announced for smartphones. That is all we know. Okay. I mean, better luck with this one, I guess, after the Super Mario one. or uh, And the Animal Crossing one. Yeah. Although Fire Emblem apparently has done quite well for them. Well, I don't think the Animal Crossing one was that bad. It just wasn't much to it. I yeah, I think, <laughs> I, think some, I think some people really liked what it was doing in terms of its simplifications, but, you know, the... For others, the sort of standard mobile trappings were a big turnoff, and how some of it is a too stripped back from Animal Crossing. But it was like the logical game you'd want on a phone, <laughs> really. I guess, I guess yeah. like Animal Crossing is almost a game you play in that same way anyway. It's like you check in daily for a few minutes and then you're done. I think there was something like the initial, like the onboarding process was far too long. Well, like yes. something like that. The first time you play it, you kind of do have to set aside like forty-five minutes or something, just which like, is a bit just much. like actual Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I, I, cutting games have had relative success on mobile platforms. It's yes. like, like Sonic Racing 
All Stars Racing actually did reasonably well on iPad, I think, back in the early iPad gaming days, I guess. Hmm. Um, and I do, weirdly, when I've seen relatives and friends with kids and their kids play iPad, it does tend to be a karting game for some reason, or some kind of driving game. I suppose it's the least offensive game the kids could be playing on an iPad, maybe. Just put them in a car, cars are fine. Uh, yeah, so maybe it's all right. Who knows? What do you reckon? We're going to go in full tilt controls. No. No? No. I think that's too unreliable, even for Nintendo, who like dumb control weapons. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if they could do anything else. I'm, 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 I feel the other way. I think they, they would go all in on tilt steering. No, I think it would just be like each side of the screen will just be like a giant button and then it will use the Mario Kart like auto steering technology secretly to keep help you. Maybe. But then what about the drift? <laughs> or what if it's just another runner just into the screen though? Like it's a, it's a world, it's like an outrun style yeah, game where I you're mean, touring Odyssey or something. Or it could not even be a game. It could just be like a or what, a companion view app? of <laughs> Mario Kart tracks uh, <laughs> <laughs> for VR. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, like Samsung Samsung Gear VR Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, weird one. Do you reckon it will follow? I, I reckon it will probably. Though Ninty might this this might be Ninty trying to not do that mobile um, pricing model as well. I reckon they'll try and do what Run did and be like, yeah, here's the game, here's the price. Try it for free. Pay to unlock the rest. I don't know how they. I mean, they could mobile trap it. Of course, they could, but somehow, but I just think it's a bit harder with racing games to be like, how do you make this? How, how do you want? How do you make people put money into a racing game? Anyway, sure, we'll find out. Yeah, uh, I think that was. I mean, they're they're behind on their. Like the number of games they were going to release to phones last year. Anyway, they said they were going to do like four or five or something, and they didn't hit that target. So, I guess this has been in the cooker for a bit longer. <laughs> uh, Nintendo's Switch Online service is due to be officially launched in September now. So, good news! It's a little later than they said it would be. <laughs> Bad news! Get your money's ready. Get ready to like, cough up. Yeah, pay that extra twenty quid a year to play Splatoon. How, how much salmon running? Does twenty quid buy you? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm in two minds about the whole thing. If it means like Splatoon two ends up getting funded to just keep going, like and they just keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger off the back of them starting something like this, and they don't think about mm. doing Splatoon 3 or something on Switch and just keep supporting it. Like, that's great, right? Just make that thing bigger. Give us more Salmon Run. <laughs> just give us more. I'm happy with that. Um, if it goes into that sort of thing, then fine. Um, but uh, on the other side, it's like, we're already using it for free. You've already given us this stuff for free. Your app is terrible, as it turns out. I tried using it yesterday with Zach, and it's like, I oh, really? found it incredibly difficult to actually figure out how to make it do the things it's supposed to do. Like, 
I don't know, we were trying, okay, Splatoon's a bit flawed in the sense that, like, if we wanted to get into a match with just two people, that's actually really difficult to do, unless you're playing uh, League Duos, This is the one mode that's set up for that. Like, it wants to all, you to always have a team of four, um, if you want to get together and play, which is a pain in the ass when there's only two of you. Um, so we thought we'd try the app to see if there was a way around it. And you have to get the online lounge part of Splatoon. And then once you're in there, like if I've got the app open on my phone, a little notification pops up saying, hey, Rube's room has started. Do you want to invite people? And I'm like, yeah, let's invite people to this room. And I, and I, and I look at it and it goes, oh, I know Zach exists, but it won't invite him to the room unless he's got the app, which of course he can't because he doesn't have a phone that supports it. And it's like, Ugh. right? <laughs> so we can't actually do that to do the thing anyway. And then Splatoon didn't support running. It didn't look like it was just opening one of those rooms where we needed four players anyway. So it's like, ugh. It's just the whole thing is just not very well thought through. Well. Regardless of the whole concept of it being an app on your phone and not on the Switch itself, like taking that out of consideration, the app itself is bad. <laughs> they, they've never done that well. I mean, so far. I mean, no. when are they going to get it right? I don't know. Well, they do it. Yeah, they sort of do it better when you're not wanting to play with friends. <laughs> that's out. That's the only way it works, really. Right, just with the randos, right? Yeah, they're okay at that side of it, but grouping up and stuff like that just seems such a headache. Which, mate, again, just seems like I don't. I don't think you've really justified paying for this yet. I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, finally, I have Nintendo. Last bit of Nintendo news I have: the Mario movie is officially being made oh, God. by the Minion Studio. <laughs> Illumination. It's a thing. What voice are they going to give Luigi? Is the question. Are they? Are they? Do you reckon they're going to try and voice match the games, or like get Charles Martinet or whatever? To, to do a full Mario voice acting. Will Mario talk? Well, I feel like there's going to be a very limited amount of lines. It's going, yeah. to, be, it's going to be like a Mario game. <laughs> where there'll be like a line at the start and the end and then the rest of it will just be action. You reckon, that, you reckon it'll be like, like Minions then and just be like Slapstick or Rabbids or whatever and just go for that, like, just wordless. I guess, but it's like, what even story are you going to do? Because, like, I mean... The obvious choice would just be to do the generic Mario story. Yeah. That would just be the easiest thing to do. But then that would be real boring because everyone's seen it a million times. Yeah. Even outside of Mario, because it's still the most obvious story. Does it have to be a subversion? I, I mean, I think this announcement would make more sense if they were going to do a Mario plus Rabbids. Right? Yeah. Maybe, exactly. right? Because they've already done Minions and the Rabbids are a lot like the Minions. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the fact they're going to do. Like, because even if you like tried to make a new story for the movie, like you're basically just going to end up doing what the games do, which is it's the same story but with just slightly different like trappings to the same story. Yeah, <laughs> and they've already wait and because of the way the games have basically used all the different versions of that story already, that makes it even harder to come up with something that actually works. <laughs> like we've already been to space and like. <laughs> All these weird other places around the world of the Mushroom Kingdom, or, or what does which it, may or may not be canon. Or does Nintendo try and do like a Wreck It Ralph or something and have it so it's like cross Nintendo products and there's something happening to the entire Nintendo world? And... Well, that's kind of what the Rabbids was almost. Apart from yeah. that, it's still only the Mushroom Kingdom, I guess. 
Yeah. But I'm fine. I don't think Nintendo would be able to pull off dragging a bunch of their other stuff in as well. It would make it too complicated, probably. Because it's like, even in Wreck-It Ralph, it's like the cameos are only from there for like five minutes, and it's like, okay, get rid of all that other shit. Yeah. this one thing. Well, and, and, and then, yeah, a lot of the actual then other stuff they do are very heavily inspired by like that like was it the, the the candy racer game or something that's in that film is incredibly inspired by mario kart right they just didn't use mario kart yeah um but it's also just like generic single aesthetic game yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> as all of those things are i guess because they're you know arcade games yeah oh i really hope mario has the gruff plumber voice from like the super show no, it's not going to be a wrestler. <laughs> That'd be so funny. <laughs> or, or do they go in on the plumber angle again? Like it's Mario's. No, they've already said that. That's he's not. <laughs> he's, that's he's not, not a plumber. He's not a plumber now. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> yeah. No, the, the official Mario canon is like he was a plumber once. Like that's no longer his thing. Not what about New York? Because he from New York. Uh, I, I don't know, do they still say he's from Brooklyn? Or? Well, you know, Odyssey implies that he's technically from New York City, right? Because of Pauline and all that. I guess, yeah. So he probably double tra- backtracked on the real world thing. Yeah, I don't think the real world actually exists now. <laughs> yeah. I saw him when a pretty great Photoshop the other day of someone like taking Mario and putting him in the Sonic Adventure box art pose, mm. just having the Odyssey logo underneath. <laughs> just like, yeah, all right, we've come full circle on that that joke. Uh, game closures news. Uh, game closures. Closures. Yes, uh, online games that are coming to an end. The ill-fated Gigantic is ending on July thirty-first. Uh, it sounds like that game has just been mismanaged horribly. Like, it actually looked kind of cool. And like most reports say, like, it's actually a pretty good game. But just, uh, I think it got changed hands a few times. It ran horribly late in its dev cycle um, and hasn't done very well for itself, probably because it wasn't marketed, like, at all after its initial reveal. Well, and also, like, it ran horribly late, which pushed it further and further from the fad of the mobile zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like it, it had to go through the Battleborn window, I suppose. Well, and all the other ones, like, happened yeah. at that same time, except they were the latest. Almost. Yeah, Overwatch was already killing it. And so, yeah, they were too late to the party. Although, again, I, I think Paladins is doing all right for itself, <laughs> weirdly. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's sustaining, even though it's a, clearly an Overwatch ripoff. Although they argue they came first. In their dev cycle. Also shutting down due to blizzards destroying them, Mojang Scrolls. Wait, that thing was a game? Yeah, well... I sort of thought that never came out. Well, it's shutting down. Like, No, okay. <laughs> I didn't, didn't realise that existed. I mean, I knew it was, gonna be, it was being developed, but I never realised it actually came out. Mm. There's some... Um, Writing from the Penny Arcade guys in that, <laughs> weren't they on the on the writing staff or something? Mm, I don't know. And there's that other Mojang game that I don't remember whether it actually came out as well. That weird like side scroller, whatever the hell that was. 
I don't even remember the name of it. It had a weird name. We're not yeah, weirder than scrolls, I suppose. Oh, I vaguely remember. Yeah, not that long ago, was it? No, either. My my brain has immediately gone to Game Freak's um, Tembo the Badass Elephant, which is clearly not right, but it is also quite a, quite a departure from Pokemon. It's a badass name for a game. <laughs> Tembo. <laughs> Genuinely, is that what it's called? Yeah, Tembo the Badass Elephant. <laughs> That's supposed, I want to play it's that. It's supposed to be that. It's supposed to be pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it sounds amazing. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's literally like a cartoon elephant with like Rambo gear. He's <laughs> like a red bandana and everything. Badass. The badass elephant. Uh, no, that's all I've really got in terms of noteworthy news. I've got the, you know, the only thing that I oh, care Anthem. about. Oh. Sorry, yeah, uh, other game like delays and stuff. Anthem got delayed. Like, we didn't quite talk about that last time. That happened just after our podcast in 2019. One imagines it's probably to do with them reevaluating their microtransaction structure. <laughs> probably not. <though. laughs> no, probably not. I mean, it. More likely, it's them reevaluating how Bioware operates. Maybe <laughs> after the Andromeda thing, maybe. shutting down that bit of Bioware, it's like yeah, maybe we need to have a check in on the rest of Bioware and <laughs> make sure this is actually going to function. Yeah, they're probably nothing to do with each other, right? No, probably. Unless now they are. Maybe, yeah. maybe now they've suddenly inherited some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I bet that's what's happened. Let's say, hey, we've got this whole other team that's got that's not doing anything now. Do you need some help? Yeah, I bet that's a thing. Sorry, Dan, I cut you off. Was there anything else? Well, Red Dead. Oh, yes, of course. The release date. It's got a release date. It's a delay, technically, but for me, it's like, this sounds like the actual release date, finally. This is the first time I've heard a release window that sounded like it was actually real. So it's... Where are we? October 26th. So... This year, they always say it was they, that they were sticking to this year. Um, yeah, I think they went, you know, earlier in the year, I think they came out and said, just like, no, 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 we're gonna, we're gonna make it 2018 release for sure. Um, which is that when they don't, they don't, they're not normally, you know, Rockstar are normally very, very cagey with any information. So, yeah, that you know, that, that seemed like fairly decent then, but now, you know. If they put, if they put, it also seemed fairly, fairly decent, like it might have come out in 2017, but it didn't. True, but I guess they still hadn't actually told us anything. This feels like the real date or the real yeah, time yeah. period for, to me. And oh. they, there's some new screenshots as well, which, you know, Rockstar are the only developer that like now release screenshots, then people are still excited about it yeah, <laughs> instead of videos. Like, yeah, but uh, yeah, they're pretty nice looking. One of them looks like it's got Bonnie McFarlane in. Um, it looks like her anyway. Um, yeah. Looks super nice as always. I still think they haven't quite got like grass sticking out of mud looking up close looking quite right, but there you go. Right. It's open it's an open world. But otherwise it looks pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, of uh, all the things you're probably going to be doing in that game yourself, it's probably not putting the camera down into the dirt. I guess not. I guess not. Yeah. Um but yeah. Looks pretty good. It's just the attention to detail and stuff, like on the characters, all the dirt on the shirt, on his, the guy's shirt, and the, the the dirt around his fingernails, and mm. looks, looks awesome. And the like wear on the pout, leather pouches on his horse, and 
oh man and the horse's breath and the snow you know mm. all that shit still so no good. um pc news no no news uh so i think yeah i don't think it will well, I, they'll probably announce it but i don't think they'll say anything until after they've released the console versions no so, so at least i know when i need to buy a console <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a, there's, i reckon there's a fairly decent chance that we'll have like a year-long delay for the pc build yeah i expect so something like that yeah. but they will do it this time unlike the last time when they never did this time they've got the success of gta 5 on pc yeah to go on um there well, were some rumors be- about or leaky stuff about what kind of multiplayer is but not very much I think I think there might be a battle royale mode in it. <laughs> there, okay, so we shall see. Well, I, I, I guess it's the I sort guess, of environment yeah. that might suit that. Like yeah, how they do the closing it in a kind of like a, just another synthetic wall. Don't know. Guess we'll find out. <gasps> you Indians. <laughs> Native Americans, just Native Americans just coming over there. Yeah, just 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 a horde of them. Then that's what closes you in. No, no cougars. <laughs> Yeah, cougars. Just, <laughs> yeah. cougars murder you if you stay outside the range. <laughs> the most deadly just, uh, foe. abominations of nature, like dog dogs pretending to be human models, donkey ladies, okay. <laughs> the red dead class, man birds. Well, that's the news. <laughs> There's the news. Da, 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 da. Guess it's time. I guess it's time for what you've been playing. Uh, whose turn is it this year? This uh, year? This year? <laughs> That's pretty much how it works. I mean, how long did you intend on playing Mass Effect? That sounds like it's taking a year. Uh, well, until I get bored of it. But it's pretty, it's pretty engrossing. So I don't know. Do like the bite sizeness of it. Four, four, four. Uh, Rob, what have you been playing? Uh, not too much massive. To, to, well, not too much to expand upon this week. Play, let's get the crappers out of the way first. Play a little bit more Hand of Fate. Um, slowly making progress through that. Had a couple of better runs. Um, st- old opinions still stand though. Like so I had some better challenges where I thought the card game structure worked a little better. But um, that that combat man, they they really need to tighten that up. It it just it does like the whole thing down more 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 than any other aspect of it. That com- that combat is problematic. Um, the number of, the number of times now while I've clearly been like you know the Batman system where pretty much I think I may have mentioned this in detail before, but you know when you've got the defend symbol appears above someone's head, yeah. and you're supposed to push the counter button. And it's like in, in Batman, it doesn't matter what you're doing as long as you push that counter button while that symbol's there, you sort that guy out. It's yeah. like there's no animation delay or anything like that. Whereas in Hand of Fate, the number of times where I think that defend symbol has appeared and I'm animation locked and I can't, can't do anything. I, pr- I press the button and it's like, well, yeah, I'm dead now. I couldn't couldn't do anything about that and and or had a had a run ruined because of something like that. Um, number of times where I've had like dodgy, very very dodgy hitbox detection where I, I see miles away from an attack and it's landed um, is very high. Um, you can't seem to dodge roll defend moves very easily. So if you're just trying to get to the other side of the map and you're like using the evade button 
uh, quite often the the green defend attacks will still hit you, um, even if you evade it and see miles away. Um, I know the intention is you probably have to defend all of those, but sometimes you're in the middle of a roll. <laughs> and yeah, then exactly. Attack comes in. Um, so that's problematic. Um, yeah, there 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 are some times where I think like the design of the challenges goes against the design of some of the other systems that are at play. Like there, there was one where it, like it asked you to do a number of spins to um, on the card wheel to, to to ascertain what kind of fight you're about to do, but it considered every single one of the options a bad option, and so it would like play the the failure sound and it would go, and then the second time it would play the failure sound when you pick the time limit for the fight. It would go, even though if you got the best type, like the longest time limit for the fight, it would still be like failure. And then and then for some reason in that particular sequence there'd be a hard cut in the audio, so it would go. And then just stop. There'd be no music playing for a bit. And then if you're if you're incredibly unlucky, you go through that, and the dealer then says, "Ha ha ha ha! You should have taken your time." And it's like, "I did. I got the best result. Shut your face." <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. There are, there, are, there are some times where I think the automatic like flavor of the game doesn't really fit into the the, the challenges they've designed. The automatic yeah. flavor. Yeah. It's <laughs> flavor. <your> flavor. <laughs> God, was that a Craig David reference? <laughs> yep. Good God. Automatic flavor. <laughs> Craig David. Thought you'd appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Our Lord and Master of Lyrics. <laughs> Ah, had a fight. Uh, still playing Horizon. Off-road stuff still good. Still chugging through. I think that it's getting to the point now where I think the PC version needs does need tightening. There are too many times where I load the game up and it's forgotten my graphics settings, so it goes through an optimization process again, which is sometimes oh, boring. Instant, sometimes takes a few minutes. Um, uh, it has a tendency to want to put all the graphics settings into 4K 30. Which is interesting. Why? What are you so, after? Like, um, I just want 1080, 1080 60. No, no, I want 1020. 120. Because I can. Um, and it does mostly hit that, in fairness, on, on, a, uh, on a 1080 NVIDIA card. So that's, that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, so that's a bit irritating. I, I, I do have occasionally have technical problems with the wheel as well. Like, I'll load the game up and it won't have detected the wheel at all. Um, I'll, I'll load it up and it will get the sensitivity for the wheel really wrong in a sort of weird, unexplainable way. Like, it'll just be, there'll be a, like, the dead zone setting will be too big. And then when you finally get out of the dead zone setting, it's almost at lock immediately. And no, ma- no, no amount of tinkering in the setting seems to rejig it right. So you just reboot the game and then it goes back to normal. What's worse is that when it gets into that state, you can pull up the telematics and you can see that it's reading the wheel correctly. Mm. But the actual handling of the car doesn't seem to be listening to that, so that's a problem. And, and these things are getting a little bit tedious now. Like every time I want to boot up the game, it's like, okay, is it going to work? No, all right, let's. Uh... And it takes a good takes a good few minutes, like a couple, a good couple minutes at least to to load up to get you into the game. So, like you know, the the whole close it down restart process is tiresome now. Uh, and I haven't but even the, made a start on the Hot Wheel stuff. <laughs> still, still not tried it. 
I'm still miles away from getting finishing the main game. So. Yeah, but that's not how that game is meant to work, is it? Because you're never going to finish the main game because there's too much stuff in it. No, but, well, there is a sort of ending. Well, it's like, sure, you know, yeah. like a main campaign. Away. Yeah, the final, the final showcase is is what you're working towards. But um, and I'm, and I'm, don't think I'm too far away from that now. But uh, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of game there. Um, Splatoon 2 had its Splatfest this weekend. As usual. Gherkins, Gherkin versus Gherkout. Did you play a bunch? I played, we, 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 well, we tried. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we played earlier. some separately. Yeah. <laughs> Zach and I tried to get into a game because we were both on Team Gherkin, so we thought, this is going to work this time, right? And it's like, no, we, couldn't, we just could not get it to put us even in the same Because if you're trying to both join into a regular-ass Turf War game... Because it make it joins eight people into the server and then makes teams. So sometimes you end up at least in the same server but on different teams. Yeah, there's no guarantee that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna happen. There's no. But same. when you're in the Splatfest and you've chosen the team already, you're then trying to fit into a, one of the four slots before they all get filled on yeah. your team. So you yeah. have like even less time for the game to register that you're in a lobby and let the other person join. Because yeah, there's no like waiting <laughs> right. queue. Like they could have solved that by having like a wait to join or something. Or like what they do with the four player where they have a waiting room and then you initiate the search. Yeah. The frustrating... <laughs> if only they let you do that with less than four people. The frustrating thing is that they do let you do that in Salmon Run. Yeah. They or, let you well, but... local Salmon Run. Like, well, no, no, even in the well, real yeah. Salmon Run. Yeah, they let they let because that's how we've been playing it. Like we've been like you can you can join you can put two of you in a room and then say, Okay, let's go, and then it will fill the workforce with other people. Hmm. Uh, just to fill the slots. And it's like, you've done this. Why is it not in the rest of the game? Baffling. Baffling. That game still kicks ass. Shifty Station wasn't quite as interesting this time. It's well, the first I time mean, they put the giant yeah, turrets on a higher level. the map is slightly interesting. But... Yeah. Because obviously you become a massive target as soon as you get in one. Yeah. And then you're quite easy to kill when you're in a target. Um, and of course, just everyone had tenter missiles to just aim at the <laughs> aim at the turrets permanently. Or just do what I did, put landmines on them. <laughs> yeah. <that was laughs> the turret good. in the middle of the map. Just put landmines next to it. You're guaranteed that someone's going to stand there. At some point, yeah. Pretty good strategy. Uh, so uh, that's fun as always. They've added some more. Uh, they've added another Splatoon 1 map, which is nice. Just rounding out the package to be all of what that was and more. It's not quite as extreme as it was in Splatoon 1, though. Like, the ramps have been lessened. No. <laughs> they, yeah, they have, e- they have eased the, 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 the scale. Like, the vertical scale of that map feels different. Yeah. Um, and also, the styling is completely different. Wow. It's almost less interesting visually, actually, which is a bit frustrating. But still a fun map. It's like it's quite quite very different map to play. Well, it's quite linear. It's yeah. the main thing about it. It's like thin, <laughs> yeah, and lumpy. And <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. Do do enjoy that level. Uh, so that's Splatoon two. Uh, my main new thing that I played this week was yeah. I played through Oxen Free on Xbone. Uh, did it have any oxen? Mm. No. Well, good. Lives up to its name. Yeah, it's pretty... Five stars. <laughs> Five stars. Fills the criteria. Would remove animals again. Uh, it's... Yeah, yeah. I, I, actually, I did look up what Oxenfree meant, and it's because it's not really brought up in the game. It's some, you know, it's one of those names that ties into the themes, but isn't actually sort of explicitly mentioned in the game. But, uh, yeah, I can't remember what that was off the top of my head. Anyway, it's a sort of... Uh, 
let's call it a teenager-based supernatural horror adventure game. Okay, teenager-based. What teenager-based. like a like a slasher horror film or something sort of yeah but not really that not really about murder more about ghosts and stuff like that um right right uh, and, and things like that and it's all um uh so it's, yeah it's, it's it's kind of it's more uh about uh walking and talking and the conversational aspects of it and experiencing the story than it being much of a game i say there's no real wrong way to play it and it's not really what I'd call, you know, puzzle strong. It's just something you play through and experience. Uh, right. It's fine. I kind, kind of wanted that. Yeah. yeah. Kind of, kind of wanted a low key chill out game. Uh, and uh, yeah, it presents itself quite well. It's like um, a low key uh, chiller game. That'd be cool. A low key chiller. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a chiller. That's not all up in your face about being chill. All right, mate, I'm well chill. It's like, yeah, I got you. I got you. No, you, you don't get me. I, I'm, I'm the most chill. Yeah, all right, fine. I'm so chill. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, so it, it 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 makes it it does that. It's a sort of two D exploration thing. Like all the characters yeah. are quite small on screen, and like the, the so you see quite a lot of the the world around you, and it's all sort of a hand painted sort of look to it, and so it's all quite nice. And it's uh, um, you go around having having sort of like branching conversations with people, um, and. Uh, uh, and it has a little bit of a. Its quirk is that you're carrying around a, a radio so that you can use to tune into things in the area. And uh, um, uh, I'll, I'll stop short of doing major spoilers, but basically, you tuning into certain frequencies trees causes things to go real bad, um, and weird weird stuff happens. And yeah, then you become in danger, and you've got to escape the island. Oh, and uh, yeah, it's uh, but but uh, they do the radio stuff really well. Because sort of, you could be walking around an area, sort of like if you want to, you could pull out the radio and just start tuning into random frequencies. And each area kind of has different things on the radio. Oh, cool! Like bit, random bits of like music clips here and there, and uh, or in certain areas, you'll just hear. Uh, once things go bad, especially you could tune into very strange recordings, like little clips of things going really weird, just noises or uh, bits of speech where you're not going to like, what on earth is that? Uh, it's like, well, what's the context of this? bit of nazi propaganda that's playing or something like that it's a uh, uh it, it does some, does some really cool stuff with that and the, the effect is really nice like how it transitions between um like the audio of radio channels and things like that as you scrub through it it sounds real you know, you know pretty realistic pretty great um so that's it's that's its main trick uh yeah so here we go rob style review let's get critical <laughs> Um, I will curtail into the good stuff again later. Like, but 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 I have to like the, the conversation yeah. is a real big um, emphasis in this game, and it's I think it's very hit and miss, like which is which is problematic. Like, it's I don't think the voice acting per se is bad. It's just perhaps a bit overplayed. It's like they're all yeah. caricatures of teenagers. There's one guy in particular who's like who's called Ren, who's supposed to be the uh, sort of like fun loving. Uh, you know the the quirky cheeky chap, I suppose, but he talks really fast and really um, uh, expressively, and like uh, and be like, "I remember this, I remember this." But then you said this. Why don't you go do this? And he's interrupting people, and da, 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 and it's uh, it's just a bit much, right? Just just a little uh, like oh, I'm not 100 percent sure there's people like this in existence, and if they are, they need to be shot. 
<laughs> oh dear. Uh, and it's just uh, it, he becomes irritating really quickly. So um, do you think it's his the performance then, or, or the uh, or the dialogue? Or? A bit of both, because I think all of the characters suffer from a bit of bad writing in that they there are a lot of the other characters are written. I guess uh, they're trying to be naturalistic, so there's quite a lot of like ums and ahs and. Oh, okay. Uh, Mumble clauses in it, and uh, teenage sark is all over it. Snark yeah. or sark? Uh, no, it's sark. <laughs> yeah, so not sark. Sark. It's all about the sarcasm. Uh, you know, sort of putting a few, uh, uh, you know, all, all about put downs, <laughs> uh, but not not that clever put downs. You know, that's sort of awkward. I'm trying to sound cool, but I'm not because I'm a teenager. I don't know what I'm doing. Kind of. It's like it's sort of like uh, you know we could do this kind of tone, and uh, for some of the characters in particular, that becomes quite grating. And I think you can have a normal conversation without being that all the time, <laughs> maybe. Um, but then it also has like what sometimes that's super accurate, so it feels really natural and stuff like that. So it goes both ways. Sometimes it just feels too much. Sometimes it feels spot on. Mm. Um, uh, uh, the same goes with like like the emotional aspects of the story. Like when it goes, like has a moment when it goes weird and wonderful. I don't feel like there's ever enough emotion portrayed. It's like you know yeah. someone's uh, may have disappeared from the party under mysterious circumstances, and no one seems too bothered. It's just like, well, we're going to go deal with this. Um, or something will literally be happening in front of them, and there's like the text says like they're going to be shouting or something to be like. Like uh, shouting out a character's name, like Jonas, but they don't, it's not really read like that. It's sort of read like Jonas, mm. <laughs> and you're like, wait, wait, but this is like a real climactic moment, and it's what, uh, yeah. So, so some of that falls flat. Um, the conversation structure itself, like how you actually do that, like it normally presents you with three choices um, okay. under, in, in in most moments, um, and you can, but it does that thing where. Uh, you you can choose not to discuss. Like you can leave it, and the options will fade out slowly, and just let the conversation continue between the other characters. Oh, so you just let is, it go. Yeah, which is neat. But then, under those circumstances, when you want to speak, it does it often in a very interrupting style, and the conversation might have sometimes already moved on to someone else saying something, and then you just butt in talking about the last thing that was being said, and it doesn't quite flow. If you know what I mean. I'd quite mm. like to have the option to when I to like how Mass Effect used to do, where you can queue up an option ahead of time. Yeah, that was that's to be cool. like, oh, I know what I want to say next. Let me push that and it come in at a decent moment. Um, so it doesn't, it does do that sometimes, but that is very much the rarity compared to most of the time where you just start talking and it's like, oh, but I kind of want to sort of hear where that went a little bit more before I cut in, and then yeah, so some, sometimes that can be frustrating. Um, just, just in terms of how you're enjoying the experience, right? It feels a little. Yeah, yeah. It makes makes it more unnatural than it needs to be. Um, uh, I don't think there would have been anything wrong with just having a pause sometimes to just say, "Hey, can I?" We're wandering around, and I'm, perhaps I could be the initiator of the next conversation. Just leave the bubbles on screen for a while or something to uh, to, to let me let me pace the conversation as I like, something like that. Um, uh, but where the game does get interesting regarding its conversation system is that all of the, as far as I can tell, all of the branching paths the story can take, like there are, and there are apparently like eight or nine different endings to this thing, um, are based on your 
conversational choices and then how you act in response to what you then said to people. For instance, you could choose to go to someone on the island to go help them first, for instance. But if you then said you were going to them first and then didn't, right, right, that could cause things to play out slightly different. Um, uh, and or if if you encourage people to do something or discourage them from doing to do something, then things can play out slightly differently, or attitudes can change, and um, uh, and that stuff's actually pretty well done. Um, cool, that actually sounds uh, cool. Yeah, to the point where. It then became a little bit disappointing when I realized I played through in a very middle of the road manner. Oh, right. so and so I ended up with a very middle of the road ending, um, which I think for me is actually ended up being a quite a big minus in that I actually got kind of into this. I got hooked by its story. I got hooked by its, the, when the weird stuff happened, I thought it was presented really well. But then because then, you didn't know to act in an extreme way, you didn't get a, like a weird ending. Yeah, I think I didn't get the weirdest or the most. Uh, basically, my ending was quite. I actually don't know what just happened. We just sort of managed to leave. Yeah. <laughs> was well, my that's ending. kind of a shame. Uh, yeah, and so the end, the whole thing ended up falling a bit flat. Um, What's the uh, point of having loads of endings if some of them are like lame? <laughs> uh, some of them are lame. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, this then plays into one of the game's core themes. It's like some of it is. This is minor spoiler territory here, um, but. Because uh, you experience some one of these fairly early on in the in the in the story, but there's a sort of time loopy element to some of the gameplay, um, where you might end up repeating certain sequences, and your character is sometimes aware of it, and other characters aren't. And uh, there's a new game plus that starts that apparently toys with that a little bit. Okay. So that I mean, I, I watched the intro sequence of New Game Plus, and there are some things that happen a little differently. Because of the the time loopiness and yeah, it's they've got some interesting ideas. I don't know how those pan out if I was to play through again. Um, it's not very long; it's like four hours or something like that. Um, so it wouldn't be too yeah. much hardship to give it another go. But I'm just not quite sure I want to. I don't think I don't think quite worked out. Uh, it just didn't stick. It, the landing just didn't stick, and as a result, I'm not sure I want to go back slog through what I yeah, saw again, even if I know hours, yeah. I could do things a bit differently. That's kind of a failing because they kind of want it to be gripping enough that you really want to go back yeah. like, multiple times. So. And, I, and I think that you know, from what I've been reading online and things like that, I did go do a little bit of like, like, oh, how else could this play out? Kind of research, and when I sort of made that decision, and it's a. Uh, uh, you know, there are there. Are, it does seem like there are people that are properly into this. You know, it's like the, you know they they explored all the paths, they did the thing. So, um, you know, maybe to a certain demographic, this really does grab you. And <laughs> there's people who are really into everything, though. Yeah, true, true. You know, there's always going to be a completionist, but you know, it's a. Uh, I think it's a really interesting thing, uh, but but just. Uh, and I quite like the simplistic approach. I quite like that they just focused on storytelling. And trying to tell it in a in a way that you know it's not really a game per se, you know, by that classic logic of what is gameplay. But it's um, uh, you know, it's a nice thing to just drift through. And you know, when it got when it got had its moments, I was there. There were some quite tense moments. There were some relatively scarily produced moments. They did some <laughs> fairly cool things with its presentation, like um, because it's using this zoomed out two D perspective the entire time. They can have things near the edge of frame pop in and out that you sort of half notice sometimes. And you're like, wait, what the hell was that? 
and or like or there'll be things that are just happening just off of you know just off frame and stuff like that, and you only see a hint of it, and it's it's uh, yeah, it's, they do some of that pretty well, you know, cool. classic. I guess classic horror framing, I suppose, but like they do it all in two D, and it's um, it's yeah, it's it's it's, it's neat. Just doesn't. That ending let me down. I have to say, that ending let me down. Uh, so oxen free, oxen free. I think it would if I, if I was to give it a thumb up, thumb down, or meh, which is my official <laughs> rating, si- which is my official rating system. I would still go go up. It's still still a thumbs up. Worth your time. Only a partial meh. On there, <laughs> check it out regardless. Uh, and that's pretty much me. I thought, well, I'm, I'm done. Coolio, it's making me think, hmm, I should probably, like, it's been long enough, I should probably play Firewatch again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Tis the season for Dan to replay. <laughs> well, tis the, yeah, tis the six months or more <laughs> for me to replay before <laughs> something else comes out. I want to play. <laughs> He'll be back on the original Red Dead before long. We'll all be in trouble. No, that's the thing. Is it's just too much of a pain playing that on the 360. <laughs> sure. Stuff. If it was on PC, I would definitely be replaying it. But I can't be bothered faffing about with oh. lo- 360 loading pauses and. and <laughs> oh, well, they would have a- they're not that bad. No, once you get into the game, it was fine. No, no, I just mean like I don't know. The initial load was long. Seems a bit weird. Meanwhile, I'm playing Mass Effect 2, which is a 360 game, but on PC, so it's like I can play it at full full monitor res or whatever, and it doesn't look too bad, even though it's ancient. Well, apparently, you could do it in 4K if you had an Xbox X. Yeah, I'm sure you could. The 360 version. You know, they do that resolution upscale thing oh, yeah. a lot of. Yeah. Apparently, it's pretty impressive. Cool. Anyway, I'm out. Thanks. What have you been playing? Well, speaking of kind of disappointing endings, <laughs> I guess. Finish the Nautica. It oh, wasn't right, exactly right. disappointing, I suppose, but it was the case where I, I talked last time about how I seemed to be in the like the mid-game lull where mm. nothing was where there didn't seem to be any more story happening, and it was just like you just have to find your way to this place, and you've only got one clue of how where it is, and then it just lets you go and it's just like no direction you just have to do it so i eventually did it found the place where you had to go but then the problem with that was that it turns out i was kind of more right than i knew because as soon as you find that place it's suddenly like the end of the game suddenly arrives and it just does like a fairly gigantic exposition dump and then suddenly there's like here's a here's the last few missions with that you have to complete and they all happen quite quickly one after the other right or well I guess they don't intentionally happen one after, quickly one after the other, but it was more like I just had the stuff I needed. Right, right. Because like the second you were, to last, you were prepared, so you had agency because of you were just there. Yeah, it's so like the second to last mission essentially is meant to be like a scavenger hunt where you have to go around and collect these certain plant samples to create a certain thing. But because I, you know, because I collect stuff, I already had most <laughs> of those things. In fact, I already had most of the plants growing outside my base because I just been mm. like. There doesn't seem to be any reason to plant any of these plants apart from, I guess it looks cool, but I, I was like, maybe they'll be useful at some point, so I just planted them, and it's like, oh, yep, yeah. <laughs> it turns out I was right. Here we go, yeah. 
even there was like there's one specific plant that you're meant to collect for this last like this mission where it's it's a plant where when you scan it if you find it it's like this plant seems to be on the verge of extinction extinction it only grows in some very select locations and it just so happened that a i'd already found one of those places and b what that place happened to be where i built my main base (laughs) (laughs) so i already knew where that plant was it's like that didn't extend the game for me any at that point (laughs) i didn't have to go searching around and be like where the fuck is this plant it's like no it's it's in that hole that's just over there next to my base i already know (laughs) this sort of sequence broke it in a way kind of Apparently that's not that. Um, although the scanner kind of implies that it's rarer than that, like that, apparently that's not even the only place that that plant actually grows. Oh, there are Several even places other places that, that, it, that you could find it. So yeah, that was convenient. But then yeah, so you do that mission, and then there's like the final. I guess the final mission is to build the rocket and get off the planet. But even that was like I'd already collected so many resources. And the rocket doesn't use as much resources as you, as you might think a giant fucking ass rocket <laughs> uses to build. Mm. <laughs> I already had most of the stuff in storage just because I'd been collecting a decent amount of all the different resources just in case I needed to make other things. It's like, oh, it turns out I pretty much already have enough for the rocket as well. Mostly, except for copper, because I never had enough copper. Although I think that was because I never really explored the mushroom forests, because I think that's where the main copper deposits spawn. Because the mushroom forest seemed really pointless, and I guess I was right. They were kind of pointless. They just wanted to put some mushrooms in it, I suppose. But then there was the other, the glowing mushroom caves. Those then, cool. then isn't, aren't most mushroom forests somewhat pointless in games? Like I'm just, I, I'm generalizing here, but I just remember the one in Zelda, the giant mushroom bit in Zelda was kind of tedious and not really actually that much there. I guess it's just they, giant mushrooms. They're like giant mushroom forests. They're not actually that. I mean, the giant mushrooms in Zelda had a couple of things. Like, you know, there was the occasion, there was the couple of things where you had to get on top of one, and then that was inconvenient. Yeah. And, and apart from that, it was just like a, just a different type of tree. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Except a uh, mushroom hill zone. That's obviously the best mushroom forest. Clearly. Because you bounce on them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's not like a bouncy tree? So, yeah, the end of that game did seem rather <laughs> like abrupt and I don't know it, like before that by the time you got to the mid-game mystery lull section there was a lot of stuff where you if you'd been reading the logs and scanning things you could sort of it was sort of being implied what was going on mm. and like the disease research facility that I talked about that where I found the actual facility even though I'd accidentally found a small one beforehand like you know, you started giving hints of what was actually going on, but then when you get to this last bit of the game, it's basically like now here's we're just going to straight up tell you, <laughs> right? <laughs> or just you just come into what they call the primary containment facility, and it's like everything you scan in here is pretty much just going to give you a bit of log that tells you what the hell is actually going on, and what yeah. everyone was doing, and why this is here. And then also the other thing that made the end of the game like more abrupt was like once you get to the thermal power plant and then the well, you get to the thermal power plant first. So you go down into the lava zone. This is the one. You have the one hint at the, at the mid-game blank zone. You have the one hint where it's like the thermal power plant. It's obviously in the lava because it's a thermal power plant, <laughs> and it's about twelve hundred meters down. So mm-hmm. you're like, okay, so I've got to find a cave that goes down, and then once I see lava, I'm probably getting close. <laughs> so you follow that, and you find the thermal power plant, and you go there, and when you 
you go in there and you're like, okay, this is the last clue I've got. So this is clearly when I go in here, it's going to tell me something new. <laughs> right. Yeah. So you go in there and so there's warp, there's a warp gate in the thermal power plant that links back up to a location you've already been on the surface. So that's sort of convenient. It's not a particularly convenient location. I guess it depends on where you built your base, technically. But <laughs> it wasn't convenient for you. It wasn't that convenient. It wasn't entirely inconvenient, but it was sort of convenient. Mm. So you, there's that. And, you know, going straight to the surface from 1,200 metres down is also convenient in itself, I guess, because you're not having to go all the way up this whole cave network. <laughs> Even if you still then have to, like, manually swim back to your base. Uh so there's that, but then when you go in there and then you scan the things or whatever, and it tells you the next hint, the next hint to find the primary containment facility is basically it might as well just say oh, it's just down the hall because it's like the primary <laughs> containment facility is almost directly under the thermal flower plant in just like the next cave, right? Like you could almost see it. Like when I was going into the thermal facility, you could see the cave entrance that goes lower down, and you, if you'd been at the right angle, you would have been able to see them. <laughs> The primary container facility from there, so it's like, oh well, that wasn't very hard to find, really. I guess mm. so it's like, just like it's just down there. It's just right there. So you go down there, and you when you go there, then you had all this story stuff to scan. But also in the primary container facility, there's four more warp gates that lead to four other places on the map. One of which was even closer to my base than the first warp gate. So it kind of like removed all the like traveling, I guess, okay. mm. almost. And then, so when you're doing, could the you point, get back to that point? Then were they two-way warp gates? Or yeah, just, yeah. Once you've opened them, okay, because you can only open them from that end. I'd found a couple of the exits before, and I was like, oh well, this warp gate doesn't have the thing that lets me turn it on, so I just have to turn this on at the other end, wherever that is. Right. And it turns out all of them were at this one place. In one essentially. place. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of negate also negated some of the things that would have taken time during that end sequence of just traveling like the when i if you had to go and find the plants for the scavenger hunt or whatever you conveniently have these warp gates to at least get you completely out of the depths of the lava zone or whatever also generally like speaking of the sort of mid-game lull continuing into the end the whole lava zone section was kind of like not very interesting like there's not really there's one new resort well yeah, I guess there's only really one new resource down there in terms of like things to craft with, and there's also like you know, I mean, there's a few new like enemies, monsters, fish, and whatever to scan, but there's not Monster really fresh. there's not really any like new. Well, Monster for a start, fresh. there's there's not really any new stuff that you get. Like, there's the one new resource that lets you build a few a couple of things that you already would have known about at this point but there's no like new blueprints there's no new technology that you get well once you go down that deep because that that's like the, the most the only thing you really need the new resource for is to build the modules that let your submarine and mech suit survive that depth so you basically have to go down to the end go down as far as you can swim a little further to pick up some of that resource then make the module that lets you go down <laughs> for real so it's like, it seemed a bit like content light once you got to the lava zone hmm. in terms of just the world rather than the story where suddenly all the story happens. <laughs> yeah, suddenly. And also, I don't know. I'm going to sneeze in a minute. Just a warning. <laughs> just a preemptive. Yeah. But no, you're not going to because you mentioned No, because I mentioned it. <laughs> I've just got that itch at the top of my left nostril. That's, that's just like twin. It's, it's, it's doing that twin that that thing where your eyes water in anticipation. Yes, and it's just like oh, just just let me sneeze already. 
so yeah, I finished that game, but like, I'm pretty sure that. <laughs> Sorry, Rob's Rob's Steam just beeped and it completely threw me off. <laughs> yeah, because only you could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Some, someone was messaging Rob on Steam. Oh, Apparently, it was Dan. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not messaging anyone. Your, your cat it's, it's a tab in, in the window. Oh, right. Yeah, window. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway. Um, probably wants to play Does that mean I can, I can make beeps in Zach's ear whenever I want? That's quite yeah. <laughs> and the and That'd be extraordinarily loud, probably. Well, that loud. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I finished it, but there's two reasons why I might not be done with that game. Firstly, like the last two achievements that you get for finishing the game and another thing related to finishing the game they're just broken like no one can get them so oh. Oh. if you look at the steam stats it's like zero percent oh <laughs> so there's a reason so that's one reason i'll have to go back to it at some point <laughs> just, just clear off yeah just to get those which you know technically i could just load my save probably and there we go oh you got it'll be at, yeah. well it'll probably be just before the end sequence so i could probably just trigger it again right yeah theoretically but then the other reason to, that I might go back to it is like I, I kind of I guess spoiling myself sort of. But there's evidently stuff that I didn't see. Mm. I mean, I did find a couple of like things that weren't ever pointed out to me directly. Like there's this mysterious like crater that has a, one of the alien facilities, and I'm pretty sure it's not mentioned directly that there's a facility there, or at least not. Or, or I didn't find the start of the chain that would point you to it, maybe. Mm. It's hard, you know. Yeah, you, can't just, really you, tell. Just, you just sort of found it without finding the clues. <laughs> yeah, possibly. But yeah, so there's, there was that. And I think there's probably a couple of other things. There might even be a few blueprints that I didn't get, like actual things to make mm. that I never actually got. I don't know. So yeah, there might be a reason to play some more of that or play it again, possibly. Because, you know, now that if even playing it again, it would be like, now you know how to do it, it would be much quicker. <laughs> Generally good, though, generally good time. Yeah. Just in terms of survival games. Yeah. It was, you kind of, I don't, it's, it's one of those typical things of every time you start a new game like this, where you don't necessarily know if your experience in other games is going to screw you up. Because, mm. like, in this game in particular, it, like, I had this concept at certain points where I was like, I'm going to build a base here and have this be a staging point to go further down this cave or whatever. And I'm not sure that's actually necessary or even a good idea, really. Mm. The only reason that I found to build the bases was to build the scanner rooms to use the camera drones to like scout ahead because yeah, sure. the, yeah. the camera drones aren't targeted by enemies, so they're basically... You can just, you can just drift go around. into dangerous places without yeah, any yeah. risk, <laughs> even if it's limited by how... like the control range of the cameras so that was one reason to build bases but then like i would i i initially like made it so that in my submarine i had a stock of equipment to build a base and that base would not just be like a scan post but it would also have like some crafting ability and it would have like a you know like a, a flower bed outside that could grow materials that you need to craft things so like it would, I could bring out like a seed of all the different plants that you use for crafting with you, and then deploy that into each base. But that is like that was almost completely unnecessary. And also because the world isn't as big as it initially appears, I guess it's probably almost unnecessary to do that at all. 
like it doesn't take that long to go from like a centralized location to wherever you're going. So you might as well just put whatever you need in the submarine and have that as the like launching point, mm. rather than trying to build a base everywhere. And also, I guess building bases takes quite a lot of resources. Not sure. that much, but also because the resources don't respawn or anything, you can just like strip out an area at some point. So after you've built a certain amount of stuff from your main base, it's getting more and more inconvenient to continue building stuff, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, it was it's one of those things where you just don't you you don't know what sort of open world you're in until you're like most of the way through and then you're like, I should have done this more efficiently, but I guess I didn't know that I could, could have done it, it yeah. that way. <laughs> uh some people that is the drive of these games, right? The ones that are like permadeath or whatever. It's like the drive is to try and figure out the yeah, it's not mechanics really of efficiency. The same thing but... Exactly, I guess. No, not that here, goes okay. into more like roguelike territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How to maximize your run? Yeah. Whereas that's yeah, well, this isn't a permadeath game, right? So it's unless you play it hardcore, I suppose. But okay, yeah. that's just an option. some reason in hardcore mode it's like the, the only additional change in hardcore mode for that game is it turns off the oxygen warning which is like that seems kind of unnecessary yeah <laughs> i mean it's already not that complicated to pay attention to but just turning that off it's just like that's just a little just a little bit unnecessary to make that harder so like i guess that's the only thing they could do to make it harder i suppose it was quite friendly in that you know because you said it was like depth specific well it's partially depth specific yeah. It might make the easy uh, the early game yeah maybe the early game. harder but... so yeah there was that and then after that I did a whole bunch of small bits of things but the only other thing that I actually did for a significant amount of time was I finally decided it was time to reassemble Dwarf Fortress and start that up again <laughs> oh god it's play time some, play some Fortress mode see what's going on although again as usual with this kind of situation, I went back in and it's like, I didn't actually get to the point where I'd see any of the bugs that I knew about or see any of the new stuff. So <laughs> it was more or less just starting North Fortress again. So no pot hoarding just yet? No, well, not that I've noticed yet, I guess. <laughs> they haven't hoard, if, they, if they are hoarding pots, they haven't hoarded enough of them that it's made them super slow. <laughs> <laughs> Although I was, I did run into the classic problem of like, as soon as I started equipping mil military and like putting armor on them, for a change, that bug, at least, I don't know, it's not labelled as fixed in the bug tracker, but at least in this fortress it worked better. Like, everyone actually got all the armor they were meant to get. <laughs> but then I was running into the classic problem of, of dwarfs sometimes not making sense, where, like, this random immigrant dwarf that came to my fortress had some decent military skills. Mm. And I was like, oh, sweet, he could be a squad leader. And then because of the way squad work that he can like teach the other guys and that will level up their skills quicker cool. and it's like that's sweet i've got this nice like pre-skilled dwarf who can make my other dwarfs less bad more fast but then you equip him with like armor and weapons and stuff and he's incredibly slow because he's an incredibly weak dwarf and it's like that doesn't seem to match up with his pre-skills mm. <laughs> it's kind of a shame because he moves incredibly slow in armor i guess technically well I, mm. I was about to say, technically, I've got I've only got them in copper armor, and maybe that's real heavy. But I'm not sure mm. copper armor would be that heavier than iron or steel. <laughs> I don't actually know. 
Oh well, I mean, in real life, but as well as in Dwarf Fortress, yeah. like I don't actually know what the relative densities of copper and iron are no. in the game. It's probably not that much different. At least it's not platinum. Chill. <laughs> yeah. And they're not also not carrying silver hammers. I did make silver hammers for my hammer dwarfs because silver is like the most dense material that you can make weapons with by default. Not lead, then. No, they don't. I don't know if lead. I think lead does exist. I just don't think it's classed as a weapon grade material. Right, a bit too soft or something. Or... <laughs> Not that silver isn't soft. But... No, I was about to say. I, I was questioning when you said that. It's like silver doesn't sound like a particularly good weapon material. Yeah, the only reason I don't know why they. I guess it's sort of a classic fantasy trope to have silver weapons. I guess, yeah. And also, technically, there are werewolves in Dwarf Fortress. I don't know if silver has the classic werewolf oh. killing effect or not. Maybe it does. That'd be cool. I don't, I don't actually know, but but so yeah, silver is like the is I guess a fantasy weapon material. But the Dwarf Fortress, the only reason you'd use it is for hammers because silver is the most dense, and because of the way the weapon calculation works, having a really heavy, dense hammer makes it way more powerful. So unlike everything else, where you'd probably want to make it out of steel, edged weapons mm. when you want the sharpness for hammers, you want silver because it's the heaviest. Or if you're incredibly lucky and a dwarf goes into a strange mood and makes an artifact weapon. It goes into a strange mood. Yeah, that's what it's called. They go into a strange <laughs> mood and make an artifact weapon and they happen to make a hammer out of platinum. Then you've got the most powerful hammer you can possibly have because platinum is insanely dense. <laughs> Even compared to all the other metals. And then surely you need a ridiculous guy to wield it. Well, yeah, you'd need a hell of a strong dwarf to actually be able to move. But then, yeah. Also, it's also an artifact weapon, so by default it would just be like way more powerful because mm. of the quality modifier. I think it's like times three for artifacts, which doesn't sound like much, but it's <laughs> quite a lot. Nice. Get that on a highly trained, actually strong dwarf and it'd <laughs> probably be pretty good. And it's also... It's one of those things where it's a situation where the realism of Dwarf Fortress actually actually makes it like non. I was going to say non logical, but it's like actual logical, not game logical. Right. <laughs> Whereas, like, you think you just want to make everything out of adamantium, like, or. Glycerol or something like that. Like. I think. Is it called adamantium or is it just called adamantium? Adamantium? Yeah, I guess it's adamantium. Yeah. You think you'd want to make everything out of that because it's the f classic fantasy strongest metal in the entire universe and you could only get it by digging into the very depths of the earth or whatever. Or, you know, genetically modifying Wolverine. Yeah, all that. But then, like, it turns out that because adamantium, is, it has incredible strength and, like, incredibly good edges, but it's also super light. So it's completely useless for hammers. You can't use it for arrows because the, the penetration of arrows is also related to their weight. So, so it's completely useless for making arrows for bows or crossbows. And they're like, so you don't want it to use for hammers. And sometimes I'm not sure exactly what the rule is for armor because it's like it's strong, but it's also like there's another stat for armor, which is like flexibility and stuff. So you have to like whether you're making plate or chain also oh, I matters. I, I assume 
that's a sort of speed rating modifier, or like does it affect their like combat ability or something? Like what bits they'll actually chop off of their yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it affects targeting the attacks on mm. the specific body parts. Also, when I was looking it up in the wiki because I was worried about my shitty copper armor and whether it was even worth bothering to make copper armor, <laughs> whether everything would just penetrate it real easily. But it turns out that if you're if you're equipping a dwarf, you can use chain armor and high boots, and that covers their whole legs because their legs are so short. Oh, <laughs> it's right. like normally you'd need leg covering as well to get full armor, but because dwarves are short, the high boots combined with the long chain vest covers <laughs> their whole body. <laughs> that's cool that that's modeled. <laughs> I mean, there, there, there are things like that when you describe about Dwarf Fortress, and I just can't but sit back and go, okay, that's clever. Yeah. Someone thought about that. <laughs> Someone. There's one guy. Yeah, exactly. Dude, yeah. Although compar- comparatively to that, there's also like the weirdness of the armor in Dwarf Fortress, where like you can wear multiple pieces of armor in the same slot up to a limit. There's like a there's a limit that's just a number. So you, instead of if you want to fully equip your dwarf's chest area with armor, instead of just like having chain armor or maybe having chain armor and then a plate armor on top of it, you can instead have free chain armors and a plate armor on top of it because that fills up the space <laughs> and it's the same with like helmets and stuff you can wear like well i no, i guess helmets are a special case because they're shaped so you can only fit one helmet there used to be a you used to be able to definitely fit like two caps and then a helmet <laughs> or whatever mm. stack them up on top of each other modest pile of hat and you still definitely can wear like six cloaks if you really want <laughs> Because technically that does give you armor, because the cloak, cloak does actually give you a, like a slight bonus to armor. So stacking six cloaks onto the on top of your chain armor does technically give you better armor. <laughs> Badass that would look. You know, yeah, have, like, like crazy flailing cloaks yeah. coming out of the back of you. <laughs> like sort of lay- a layered cloak, like, yeah. especially if they're all different sizes or different colors. Yeah, yep, the <laughs> rainbow cloak. That's one of the things that you can theoretically do if you want it in the military menu. You can set specific colours. If you're using dyes on your cl- on your cloth items, you can say, I want you to wear a blue cloak or a red cloak or a black cloak <laughs> or a green cloak. I think those are the only four colours you can actually dye stuff. So. <laughs> and that's all you get. Only four colours, not a whole rainbow. But yes, make your dwarfs fancy. <laughs> not that you can see them. Nope. <laughs> All that matters is the armor rating. <laughs> Even if it's. Why would dying a cloak help you then? Does, it, like, does the dye imbue some sort of special ability? Well, dyeing the cloth improves the quality, so the quality of the item goes up, so you get a quality modifier and that improves the armor rating. Right. <laughs> so technically, dyeing stuff does make it more armor. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the secret to uh, Call of Duty loot drops revealed. <laughs> Yes, exactly. That's why that's why you don't want a pink Darth Vader because he's invincible. That <laughs> <laughs> assumes the density of pink dye is better than the black dye. Yeah, well, no, like, he's uh, just a super high quality, you see. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a, it's a high quality Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Ultra buffed with voodoo hide. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the other thing that was slightly weird that was the first thing that I noticed that was different in Dwarf Fortress from the last time I played it is apparently you no longer get constant dwarven, uh, not dwarven, constant goblin ambushes. 
Because it used to be that you, as soon like within the first year or two of the fortress, you'd start getting goblin ambushes spawning like once or twice every year. They'd spawn a few groups of goblins who would try to sneak into your fortress, and then that was where you'd usually build weapon traps across your entrance because that would kill them. Or if the, if it was cobalt ambushes, you couldn't detect them with weapon traps because they had weapon trap avoidance, so you had to have like dogs or whatever guarding your entrance. Mm. Apparently, those don't happen any longer, or at least. The goblin one don't. Goblin ones don't because apparently goblins no longer have the ability to sneak, so they can't. Oh, right. They can't form that kind of ambush any longer. Hmm. Haven't actually seen a cobbled one either yet, but maybe that's just because I'm not very near a cobbled cave. Maybe they just haven't found their way to my fortress yet. Any beards? I imagine <laughs> the dwarves have a lot of beards. Yeah, of course they have beards, beards and cobbled. But yeah, so that makes it kind of. I guess easier to start with because you're not having to deal with that as soon as you're not having to deal with combat as soon as you used to. So it gives you more time to maybe actually set up a military and train them before all the horrible things start arriving. Because mm. you're still at some point going to be ending up with like dragons and forgotten beasts and all this other ridiculous shit that will just kill everything. I still don't think I've ever played long enough in the modern versions of Dwarf Fortress to get to a forgotten beast because they mostly come through the cavern layers. And I haven't really ever played to the point where I've gone down that far recently. Because the Forgotten Beasts are basically randomly generated monsters. So they <laughs> so they tend to have ridiculous descriptions where it's like, it basically just picks a random animal and then it's like, okay, it's, it's a giant demonic wombat. <laughs> and it has poison breath. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Naturally. But apparently, the, like from what I read about the whole idea of forgotten beasts, is like oftentimes those can be sometimes the actual forgotten beast itself, in terms of like combat ability, might not be that dangerous. But it's those like the breath attacks and stuff that are randomly generated that can be real dangerous because of the way because of the way poison and like well, not even internal poison, but like sp- splash effects. Like anything that can spread via contact can be real bad because there's not obviously you're it's awful so you can't see it. <laughs> Apparently, someone was uh, there was a story that I was reading on the forum of someone who was playing in an evil biome and that that had it had dust clouds that periodically blew across the surface of the world that just turned stuff into zombies, which obviously that's real bad. But then the dust would get onto things. And could contaminate stuff like by transfer. So apparently he he had to be real careful about bringing stuff into the fortress. Like he had an airlock system and like merchants that came in. He had to make sure they didn't accidentally get any dust on them on the way in if they didn't turn into zombies from it. Obviously, but then there was like he had situations where it, like he'd get combat messages where it, like someone has turned into a zombie in the middle of your fortress and it's like, oh shit, now I have to go through everything that he was standing nearby and see if something has dust on it because <laughs> it's <laughs> contaminated. It snuck in while I wasn't looking. It's like, oh, this migrant picked up a goddamn plant while he was outside and brought it into the fortress but because it was a food plant, nobody it went into the storage and then nobody touched it until somebody decided to eat that one specific thing and then zombies. <laughs> <laughs> That's why all fortress can be real difficult to play in, in its most difficult areas real bad contamination problems <laughs> and I don't think contamination spreading has ever actually still been fixed because last time I played there was the classic bug where if you were fighting goblins too close to the merchants in the in the trade depot 
the, the blood would splatter onto the merchants and then the merchants would try and go to your well in order to use the water to clean themselves. But in, in while they were moving along that path, they'd leave a trail of blood behind. And then once they got clean and tried to walk back to the devil, they'd stand in the blood and then they'd be like, oh, shit, I've got to go get clean again. <laughs> so you just get merchants who were stuck endlessly getting, trying to clean themselves because they kept standing in blood again. Oh, no. <laughs> nothing you could do to clean up the blood. No. Well, I mean, theoretically, dwarfs are meant to have a clean activity that they do periodically, whether if they see stuff messing around or mess on the ground, they try and clean it up. But in that specific version, it was still bugged where, like, they they could never actually clean it because in the cleaning process, they did it on themselves and then they'd spread it onto more tiles. <laughs> and eventually, someone just made a one of the, like, one of the modern external programs just had a button where it just clean up everything. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of all the contaminants on the map and we'll start over fresh. But I think it's marginally better now. They don't spread as much. And there's a specific option in like the any files for like, do you want contamination to spread? Probably not. Turn this off. <laughs> At least until it's fixed. <laughs> do you turn it off then? I think it's off by default, so yes. Don't want blood going everywhere. More so than it does already. <laughs> and you know, puking, constant puking. We're all still Everything's green. <laughs> Top tips: don't spread blood. For some reason, I mean, I mean, I guess it's a world now that the world is becoming increasingly more like tied back into the fortress mode or whatever. I'm starting to get dwarves who are immigrating to the fortress with cave adaption already. So as soon as they spawn on the map, they just start peeking because they're outside. <laughs> like, not very helpful. I mean, it takes them a long time to walk to the fortress because they're throwing up constantly. <laughs> You'd think travelling to the fortress, they might have got used to the outside a little bit Can before just, they turned up on your map. They just put a hood on or something. Yeah, you'd think that would be that would be a good way to solve that problem, right? Because you can equip people with clothes. You should be able to, especially for the military... You should be able to say, put on sunglasses, and then, <laughs> then when you get outside you, it costs me throw up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if cave adaption in Dwarf Fortress is, is considered to be specifically from light. So. Sunlight, or Whether yeah. it's just like it's literally like, just being outside. It's just pollen or something. Or just agoraphobia. It's, it's just extreme hate. Like, I just don't like being outside. Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> that probably makes the most sense for dwarves, I suppose. I guess. Right, so this hole has opened up again. Uh, <laughs> well, kind of. I don't know if I'll actually continue playing it. Also, world generation takes a long, long time now. I mean, it mm. always took a long time, but now you can't even... You, I basically can't generate worlds as long as I used to. Like, I remember a time when I used to be able to let the world generation run for a thousand years, which was the normal stopping point. But now I can only let. By the time it gets to like year three hundred, it's going so slow. It's like it's not worth waiting any longer. Mm. <laughs> kind of sucks because the age of the world does kind of matter in some ways. Like the number of mega beasts that are still alive and the number of civilizations that have survived and how they've spread across the map matters in some cases. You want a certain because I found it quite hard to find a fortress location where I had like access to all the different races like like because they want you want to have access to the human caravans and the elven caravans and the goblins ideally for like some amount of combat 
but finding all three of them in one place was like it's not very easy any longer for some reason. Hmm. And okay, you get maps where just one of the races had got wiped out before the <laughs> before uh, that generation right. finished. Of course. Well, first, what you need to do is you need to go through fifty cc, and then go through hundred cc, <laughs> and by that point, you probably have all the tracks. Yeah, You've got all the races. Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's Dwarf Fortress. It's con- it's still pretty much Dwarf Fortress. Wow, Fortress. I play some Overwatch as well. You're the year of the dogs on at the moment. <laughs> yes, yes. The, the the Chinese New Year thing. That means CTF's back. <laughs> and they they've changed it slightly, and I'm not sure whether I think it's better or not. I haven't decided. They've made it so flag pickups are now instant. Uh, whereas before you had to hang around for a bit mm. next to it to pick it up, which meant your attack had to be somewhat more organized. Right. Um, whereas now someone could just sneak in and nick it. Um, to combat, to, 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 like, to, to nerf that somewhat, they've made it so certain abilities drop the flag. Right. Whereas before, you could none of them did. Mm. So you could be Winston and super jump across the level and yeah. carry the flag. Classic. Um, or be Diva and just fly out of there. Um, uh which, it's, it's, which is interesting because it's taken a little while for me to learn which moves hold on, which moves drop. Because it's like uh, in, when you're a soldier, for instance, your sprint, you hold on to the flag. Mm. If you're Lucio and you're using speed boost, you drop the flag, but other players in your area will will still carry it. Mm. So it's 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 an interesting balance, but uh, I quite enjoy CTF. I think it's fun. A different spin on that game that's that's actually quite well done. Um, turns out I don't think the community at large really does. Well, no. like, I found so many posts saying CTF sucks, which is why they changed the rules. I was trying to find like, okay, why did I was trying to find out? It's like, are these rules better than the last one? What does the community think? And all I got was CTF sucks. Like, <laughs> I didn't, didn't see any good opinions on any, either side, which I think is weird because I think it's actually quite well done. Uh, um, even in Team Fortress, the CDF didn't really survive. No, uh, no. TF's, yeah, TF's um, CTF was probably the, or kept the bag or whatever it was was um, probably the weakest mode of its lot. Um, the intelligence. Uh, I think it's I think it's safe to say Overwatch has weaker modes, <laughs> um, but the um, uh, I, they I think they put it on. The, the 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 maps are a little more interesting than Two Fort. Let's put it that way. Than all. Um, you should never use two fort as the example of CDF and two fortress. Like two fort was always the worst map for CDF yeah. and two fortress, even when there were so few of them. T- turbine was pretty good for it. In fairness. Yeah, although yeah, the intelligence uh, on turbine was <laughs> always a nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> it I mean, really required actual planning. Two fort was only in the game because there was because it was a nod to the original two yeah. fort from the yeah. original quake mod or whatever. Like they wouldn't have designed that level. If it hadn't already existed, yeah, so the whole CTF existence in Team Fortress Two was just because they thought they had to, pretty much in, in many ways. Yeah, so probably the, I don't know, I think the probably the best C- CTF on Team Fortress was the whatever that map was with the bridge over the center railway thing. What was that one called? Bridge over the center railway. Yeah, had the big wide bridge, but then there was the railway track that went below it into the sewer pipes that went up through the base on either side. Oh, right, yes, the 
dark level. Yeah, because it was more. That yeah, one that, was, that was interesting. That one yeah. was better because it was more open in the middle, and the intelligence room wasn't quite so easy to defend. No, there, <laughs> there were quite a lot of routes into it, um, but not many ways out. In fairness, and the, like the angles that you had for like turret coverage or whatever weren't as good. Like you, the enemy had chances to like shoot the turrets around the corners yeah. in a lot of the positions, or be out of range in general. Um, yeah, because turbine that was like the turrets in the room was always the nightmare. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very close. What do you think about like two four and how weird that underground bit in that? How big the underground yeah, bit of that you never really is. see. Yeah, because <laughs> there's no one ever in there. You either have engineers in the intelligence room or it's a sniper battle. <laughs> yeah, it is like looking back on it, it is a weirdly designed level, isn't it? Like, yep, it's quite weird. Um, but yeah, I don't think Overwatch only has any of that problem. Like the the the, it already had quite a few symmetrical maps anyway, mm. thanks to the King of the Hill style game mode. And so they just made those CTF and it worked. Um, it actually, I can't help but think that some of those levels were probably designed with CTF in mind anyway, because it, some of them make you use routes you wouldn't normally use. Well, I mean, in general, it's just like that whole area right at the back of the level. That yeah. You basically, almost always just run through. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like suddenly, the, now all this geometry has reason to exist. There's some, like, yeah, some of, the, some of the starting areas on some of the levels, like the Hollywood, I mean, yeah, that's a payload level, right? But the, like, the, the starting area for that is actually way more complex than is normally used like, like there's a there's like a hotel bar you can run up into and some stuff on the other side of the level and you basically don't ever use them because it's really quite easy just to push up to the first gate yeah and just fight for that first control point um so it's like there's some weird complexities to some of those levels that are barely used but ctf at least on the king of the hill map ctf kind of exposes them a bit um which is quite nice uh yeah and they you know, more stuff, obviously, more loot, yeah. more Chinese New Year themed, themed garb, which is quite nice. We uh, also played Rocket League. Yeah, of course we played Rocket it League. It was the end of the season. Yeah. And they've made a, they made a post of their roadmap for the next few updates or whatever, supposedly. I mean, they, they seem to be saying that they want to get more... I mean, people always say this, but they're like, we want to release on a better schedule. We want to do like one month where we do a major-ish patch and then one month of bug fixing and sort of stuff and then a major patch again. So here's our roadmap of what we're going to do. And it's like, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> but, but like the stuff that they've talked about seems slightly, you know, slightly more interesting. Seems like things are going to happen. There, and, Such as? Well, not related to the, what they actually posted in their news post, but there was a rumor going around that they might make special ranked playlists for ice hockey and hoops. So no, you actually have a ranked mode for those. I thought they should have done that from well, the start. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So that might actually happen. Ranked and, drop shot would be cool as well. Well, maybe, yeah. And there's also the thing which I'm not sh- I think might have also only been a rumor and not in the... No, I think it was in one of their official posts. But the thing about how they might be putting decryptors in as drops, so you can actually just get oh, decryptors through the drop system. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine those must be ultra rare, though. But still, I don't know if they'd have to be that rare. I had to say, I think I may have asked you this before, but is it possible to get dupes through the crate unlocks? Yeah, yeah, because they're just like it just acts like a regular ass crate system. The only thing that the decryptors so do is stop, stop you from trading. <laughs> Oh, the decryptors are what stop you from training. Okay, got you. Yeah. 
yeah, I was wondering, like, because I've only ever opened crates with decryptors, and it's they've all marked as non-tradable, so I sort of assumed all crates were non-tradable. Well, yeah. otherwise they wouldn't have been that whole market for them. Yeah, I guess. So the crate shit beforehand. I guess. Yeah. And if you get if you get duplicate stuff, you out of crates, you can still technically mash them together like you do with the other stuff. But I think you can only combine non-tradable stuff with other non-tradable stuff. So essentially you're limited to how all, only the things you've got out of crates from decryptors can be combined. Right. But I think they still can be combined. Because mm. if you select one, it still appears in the in the trade-up bar or whatever. Yeah, because wasn't that a... Um... Yeah, okay. No, I guess that makes sense. Because it wasn't that a tr- weird thing with Team Fortress where you could combine items that were marked as non-tradable but it would create a non-tradable yeah it would always inherit the non-tradable thing if you used any one thing that was yeah. non-tradable <laughs> so maybe I mean Man, ah. looking back on that TF2 system it feels really strange now <laughs> the whole uh, yeah breaking it down into scrap and then combining the scrap into more scrap and then better scrap than hats I mean that's just a <laughs> It's just a like it's a weirdly physical way of just representing a crafting resource. Yeah, like in any other game, you'd probably just have a number where it's like you break things down and you get a, a, a number of crafting resource that goes into your number that you just use to create new items. I really, w- I really wish crates weren't drops in any of these systems. Right, that you would get dropped something, even if it was a common, and you had to craft it. Right, and just when if you wanted to spend money, you don't have to earn the crate. That all the crates are just there. Well, but you can like you could just buy you could just put your thing in any any available crate. Like you don't have to have, uh, like one a crate. Well, but I think because it just creates clutter more than anything. Well, I mean that's why you can turn it off in the menu, as we previously discussed. Yeah, which, which which is nice. Don't get me wrong, but but like you know they always say that like the crates are oh, well or. I don't know if they did say this for Rocket League, but they definitely said for Team Fortress where it's like the crates are on a separate timer to the regular drops. So mm. getting a crate drop doesn't, doesn't move your chance of getting drop. a normal one. Mm. I think that's still the case for Rocket League as well. I think they might have said that at some point. Okay, that sounds fair. I, I just, but it's still you don't perceive that. No. You just see a drop. <laughs> I wish this stuff, as always, the, the argument is, is I just wish this stuff was way more upfront about how its systems worked. Yeah. Some percentages and yeah. stuff would be good. Now, I'm not sure if I guess I've never actually looked at the store. Well, no, because there's only a key. To, there's only a button to buy keys in Rocket League. Because during the well, unless you get that, that that like the specific car store. Well, yeah, but that's different. That's the cars. Mm. But I meant for like for the Christmas and Halloween events, you could buy the crates from the points. But I, I think you could also buy the crates directly for money during those events. Oh, really? So you could buy so you the could crates and the keys yeah. and then just open them as you went, but only during those events. Hmm. I think that only applied to those crates. Stockpile event crates. Yeah. Or just get more faster, I guess, in the classic I think that's limited true. time period. Get, yeah. your, get your wallet out and buy stuff now while it still exists. I think that's true of the Overwatch crate system. You can buy... When you when you buy crates during an event, you get the event crates. Right, yeah. But the event crates in Overwatch are like they're only guaranteed they'll only get they're only guaranteed to have one um event specific item in it. Mm. Like you will always get one event specific item in a in an event crate, but you know, of any value. But you could uh, you can get multiples, I think. But anyway, loot boxes. Yeah. 
and then one of the things that I guess they did mention, they did mention it in the in the Rocket League roadmap directly, but they were like, we want to improve server performance, and it's like, yes, please, yeah. please do that. But also one thing that they patched previously in a patch silently that really annoyed me was they made it so when you're joining a game, it doesn't show you the name of the server any longer. It just says you're joining an EU server. Okay. And the only reason I wanted that is because... Some of them have cool names? Well, no. I, the only reason I wanted that is so you don't rejoin the same server when you quit a server. Yeah, right. Because, yeah. I mean, they could fix that by actually making it not do that for a start. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. I mean, really, it's like there's no reason... I mean, apart from, like... It's got to be a, an edge case of like you left a server accidentally and you wanted to get back into it, but there's no reason for you to do that unless you're in a team, which you'd just be joining your team anyway, which is on a completely separate system. It's like there's no there's no logical reason that you'd want to rejoin a server you just left, hmm. but the game doesn't track that for no apparent reason. But when the, when it used to show the server names, if you were you if you were like fuck this server, you could just look at the scoreboard, see what the server name was, leave. And then when you start the join again, if you saw that name, you'd be like, no, don't do that, you idiot. And then just start the search again. Yeah. <laughs> but now you can't even tell. So it's like, you're joining a server of some kind. I mean, it never, I don't think it ever told you in ranked, right, what server you were joining. Well, no, because it creates a whole new yeah. server every game. <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter then. It's only, it's only in, room anyway. Yeah. It's only in casual way. Don't want to rejoin the same idiots over and over. Yeah, yeah. Well, except then you do because everyone leaves in casual now, and then it just forms a new room and pulls the same people in. Yeah, <laughs> there's no escape. There was definitely a couple of times where I've been playing where I'm like, not I'm not annoyed by these people, but they're clearly annoyed with me. And it's like, oh look, I've joined these guys again. You can't escape me. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's funny in ranked sometimes we get put against, especially if you've just beaten a team in ranked and then you get put against the same team again and everyone's like ah and then the other team's like we'll get him well that would have been bad last night where we had the 12 minute overtime game oh, against God. the team we'd already played if we play them again that would have been <laughs> worse <laughs> that, was a, that was a really fun game it was ridiculous yeah we did fall back into our uh, old school strategy where as the night goes on you and Kips get more aggressive so I'm left at the at the back and you know I'm terrible at the back <laughs> you're not that bad at the back I'm pretty bad you didn't get left at the back that much there was only a couple of games yeah, there were definitely a couple of games <laughs> where it's like I'm just doing donuts at the back because like you've been out for minutes and it's like I could I could come up but like I'm always terrified in a free player game where it just takes one person to overcommit yeah, yeah. exactly but it, like in those situations, that just means me and Kimmers were doing we, we, you we were, were doing pretty, you were doing pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> we, we were holding the ball up there and just constantly keeping pressure. You're on. Just, just being a nuisance. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the nuisance play. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> just get in the way. Just cause havoc. Even if the ball doesn't go near the goal, just cause havoc. Well, I mean, I t- tend to feel like I do that by accident because because of the way <laughs> that I always drive across the face of goal. Or sometimes even jump at the balls where I'm not even near them, really. Just hoping it comes your way. Well, not even hoping it comes my way. It's just be like, just look like you're going for the wall and that will cause people to do things. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> it's the distraction play. You've got to make them, make them feel like you're interfering with things when you're actually not. Or you're just going for boost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Drive, 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 under the, there, drive towards the ball, but then just actually just go for the boost instead. <laughs> well, there were a couple of teams that were doing that a lot last night, actually. They would go for the ball and at last minute swerve off, and it's like, why did you do that? Now I've got the ball, ha-ha. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's when people just don't 
see where you are mm. compared to them or think you're further away than you are. And they're like, I can just quickly nip over here and get this piece. And it's like, no, you can't. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> and don't dribble because then I will come. Get oh, the but I, that's, that's the thing I'm the worst at. Yes, that's it. I, dribble it wrong. Don't dribble yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> I cannot. I'm not quick enough to react to some of those dribbles. Or the little flick. Yeah. Just can't deal with the flick. It's all about the time. You have to know the, what they're going to do and then know how it works, I guess. Mm. Or not really know how it works. It's not like I can do it. I just have seen it enough where I'm like, I'm just going to sit still and wait for you to do it. And then if you don't do it well enough, I'm just going to totally block it. That's the thing. Most of the time they do just flick it up. So that's the one I attempt to charge for. But they usually then flick it up a little bit too high that I can actually reach. Well, that's the timing of it. Yeah. It's like you have to convince them Go to away, do yeah. it. Yeah. As a, you have to... You have to like either convince them to do it by looking like you're going to do something or wait until they do it and then be in a position to actually get it. Fire a little bit of boost or something. Not we're actually moving. Just go. Yeah, you have to try and trick them. But then they're trying to trick you. It's all that tricking. It's the whole, the whole problem of dribbling. It's all fakes. But then my problem is, is then when they get rid of if I do do the waiting game and just let them come to me, then there's usually not enough time to actually react to, actually, to, to what they've done um, unless they've done it early. Well, I mean, that's the thing about that whole situation is it's like you're the closer they get, theoretically, the less angle they have to get it past you. But then you're it's the over angle is the one that's the problem. So it's all about timing the jump to the exact moment, like the exact last possible moment that you can still get up. Mm. <laughs> Getting up with Zachary Burton. Yep, flying in the air. <laughs> Rocket League minute. Yep, several minutes. To see what that message was, to see if it was someone who wanted to play rugby, like him. Oh, I bet it was. I, bet I, it so. was. I mean, he did. He did apparently seem to continue to play for like two more hours after we stopped last night. Okay, so I don't know what that was. I tried looking at a Steam chat on my phone, and, it didn't and there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mystery Steam. Yep. We'll find out after the end of this podcast. Yeah, you'll never know. Yep. Ah. It's going to be fast. <laughs> We got anything else? We done? No, I think that's probably it. Dan? Yo, how's it going? <laughs> Tuned out on the Rocket League there. Oh, <laughs> yes. God, that's really boring if you don't know what, what the hell's going on. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, now we know. Cool. Uh, what, what have I been playing? Uh, Mass Effect 2, yes. Civilization 6, Dirt okay. Rally, Mario Kart 8. Um, you played a lot. Well, yeah, played a few things. How unusual. So what, what, what brought you back into some of those other games that, like, that you haven't touched for a while? Um, well, Civ 6, there's been a bunch of stuff about new well, expansion coming out. Just come out. Yeah, yeah and um, I was thinking, oh yeah, I should probably play some of that, but I haven't bought the DLC, obviously, because that would be ridiculous. No. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, it's like, but maybe I should because, like, I don't know, because it would be more like a finished game. Though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because, <laughs> because the classic sit problem. Yeah, the classic sit problem <laughs> has struck again. Because it's like I don't know. I, like the the presentation of Civ is better than the game at this yeah, point. Like, I guess. yeah, it's way better than the AI. The core systems still yeah. haven't improved enough to the to justify the the, the repurchase. Yeah. Is that what you mean? 
Yeah, but what I try and like choose bigger maps and slower game times because I find that the standard games are just a bit weird. Like, it's always like too too much shit crammed into too small a space. Yeah, into too small stuff stuff happening too quickly. Exactly, but I still find even though they take forever, the long games they still feel like to some extent. Like, I, I tend to have a situation where my like army sometimes it can be super powerful but really it's like the three warriors i made at the start of the game yeah. who've like been upgraded through the thing you never have this kind of epic feeling of like wars and people getting killed and stuff because you basically it takes so long to fucking build anything like literally yeah. ages and with the kind of build buildings not units yeah and you want to build it seems like a waste of time because you want to build sewers basically because they give you more housing and then you can grow your city so you end up like you as soon as you invent sewers <laughs> like you every single city is building a sewer and nothing is going on um i i, I don't know i kind of feel like and then and then i didn't even in this game i didn't even explore the map like because i my scout got killed and then it was like well i can't be bothered yeah, to build exactly. another one so i just left the map unexplored until like the modern era and now i'm going around in like a battleship discovering the map but it's like it didn't <laughs> actually affect the game the fact that i hadn't <laughs> discovered the map and most like, of the time that i always i always in so five it would be like i'd always only it's like the land scouts always always got killed or like yeah, it turned yeah. out the island you were on wasn't as big as you thought it was, mate. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So boat scouting was always like the main thing, but then it was just like you'd pretty much just be like, I'll just build one boat, send it automated exploration, and it just that's fine. <laughs> it can just do its thing. I didn't I don't even I'm not sure if that's a feature in is that a feature yeah, I don't in Civ Automated still exists. Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm not sure it did in Civ Five. It did in Beyond Earth. That yeah, still yeah. had automated exploration. <laughs> So can I remember it being in five? Because five, I didn't put any time in the four, did I? No. Five's where yeah. the last one I really put some time into, and I think it was there. I feel like City should have like it would be a drastic change, but they should have like two production tracks where yeah, they have like, like buildings and units, yeah, yeah. building. Yeah, I think that's. I, I agree with that. Or like the building product, but then you'd have a lot more units going on in the game. Yeah, so you would, I mean, but I think that would improve that. it. I think there should be less cities and more units. Well, it's um, like you could have the unit production queue be based on what military buildings you've built. So, like, yeah. you couldn't build units out of a city to start with until you build a barracks. I yeah, that would allow you to build. But you, units you kind of have like, okay, you can build a sh- you need a shipyard and stuff, or you need a harbor, or do it. Well, but but you just need to be on the coast more or less. Yeah, and yeah, there is you, like you the need to build a tank. Well, yeah, you do, like because you could just build tanks without a tank factory, can't you? Normally, it's like yeah. Oh yeah, you don't need any add, specific... add stuff like that. Yeah, that's not... I mean, you have, like, encampments, like a district for military, but they don't actually... You know, they just give you, like, more experience or whatever, right, for the units that you train in that particular city and stuff. And it all kind of blends together. Process there's like what there's all kinds of like I quite like that idea you just touched on there like just, you know, adding a barracks or adding unit specific buildings suddenly gives you yeah. like this separate the built the existence of the building gives you this separate building track yeah provided you've got resources or maybe yeah. population to drive that particular building something like that yeah the cities um, and maybe the, and then, the, the, but then when they're like... under attack perhaps those buildings could get destroyed and things like that it's like oh, you're oh definitely well you kind of already have that um like they can get pillaged or whatever like the the um what's it the, uh, the district yeah, yeah the extent the districts can get pillaged and that can affect like production i think so so a lot of that stuff is sort of half in place i just find like I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> really, and, really and, and, and times that I remember building a lot of units in Civ Five would be those times where you have you just have one city that had really high production, so it would get through all the buildings before everything else. Yeah, and yeah, be yeah. Like, what am I going to do with the city now? Well, I guess it can just make some units. <laughs> well, I need all these units to stop Norway from invading again. <laughs> Yeah. And then, of course, you'd reach your military cap limit and then it would start affecting your economy. Economy. Uh, <laughs> you can't, still can't say it right. Um, economy. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and also, like... Maybe it was the pin. I, I think uh, the, the one of the most annoying things, I know it's part of the pleasure of the game when you first play it, but, like... You, you you're making constant lots and lots of decisions that don't really matter that much like there's a lot of decision fatigue about like what policies you're going to pick for your government and they, these well, things aren't really that important like i mean you can't they you can if you're trying to min max everything it's just like too much and a lot of it doesn't really like, matter there's a lot of unimportant ones but then there's some that are like too important well, especially in Five, where it's just like your that first policy you choose that locks you into one of those policy trees, and you're like, yeah, do I want I, to go to the military policy tree or do I want the yeah. do- democracy policy I, tree? Actually, and I, if you choose one of those, you're basically locked into well, doing that. that, that I, mean, the, I mean, are they less important now than they were? Because I thought that was a really big deal. Yeah, that's a lot flatter. That's, 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 that's not like that. Defining what your win condition is, isn't it? Yeah, like, it doesn't. It's not like that. Off. Yeah, it's much more flat in Civ Six, but it also means that like that's less kind of a meaningful decision at any one point, but like, cause you're basically just going, it, the, the lanes are only like four wide or whatever. And you can usually like jink into the other lane or whatever of the, um, uh, either science or, um, or the, um, civics. Um, yeah, I don't know, but you you have to cha- choose which policies to apply every time you like research a new one, and then you have to choose the new one to research. And yeah, and it's like a lot of that stuff is like oh, plus one hundred percent adjacency bonuses for a specific kind of of district or something. And it's like okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of I distracting you from some... making like grand plans of what you're actually doing because every Maybe. time it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess once you learn that stuff, you can be like, oh, well, I've got a district. I've, I've built my district in an opportune place to then combine with this thing. So I get this district becomes super powerful. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be cool. It. Uh, I don't think any of that stuff is extreme enough to make it like... Right. It, to make it like, you know, you did, the bonuses aren't that big like it's not like you get a huge thing for planning out exactly where you're going to put your district and stuff like well you kind of do on a per city basis but not combined with the kind of global policies stuff mm. i just i just find and also that like if you kind of play in the same way again then like that stuff is exactly the same pretty much the same every game that's not the stuff that varies you know making those you find yourself oh it's this choice again from like the last game, you know, and I'm probably going to choose the same thing, but I'm not sure what effect it had over choosing the other thing in the last game. So yeah, the, the I don't know. I really remember from so five is that maybe, maybe the intention here was to make it so pivoting your strategy was easier. Yes. Yeah. I, I found that extraordinarily difficult in our, in our time with five. It's like, if I've suddenly realized, Oh, what I'm doing isn't going to work. This guy's, this other team is going to beat me to it. Yeah. Or, Mm. Uh, and there's no way I can catch up in yeah. time. I'm going to need to pivot to a completely different strategy. And I've 
found yeah. that very difficult in yeah, Survivor. I don't think it was because really the way it locks you into those policy trees in Survivor and all that stuff was you you essentially were you like you had to pick what country yeah. you were playing specifically to combine with the policies to get mm, to, to use get the their bonuses yeah. and combine it all together. So like, if you wanted to do the culture culture victory, you were like, okay, I've got to go down the tree, policy trees that give me culture. I'm probably also going to want to play as like France or whatever because they get their big culture bonus. And then I'm having to build my cities in a specific way, prioritizing the culture buildings mm. and upgrading the land to make more culture. All those temples. Yeah, exactly. Max temples. Duck alarm. Duck alarm. But yeah, I mean, I think the other problem with learning stuff in in the server games is that also once you once you learn it, then you start running into like long term min maxing that like where you you basically go from like having no plan for grand strategy to having too much plan for grand strategy yeah. where you're yeah. like planning way too far ahead and you're like because that's what always used to happen in like Alpha Centauri because once you realise where like tree farms in the mid to late game become way more effective than actual farms. So in the early game, you're like, you well, there's no point them. me building this farm. I'll just plant a forest instead. It may not be, get me as much resources now, but by the it time I'm actually it'll pay off. in the late game, yeah. I'll be using them. Also, because in, I guess in Alpha it's like when you plant a forest, it can naturally spread into adjacent squares, which makes oh, it like right. double, doubly efficient to plant them super early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you end up learning things your second time through the, 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 the sort of, do, do they are they considered sort of like game breaking at that point? Like if they, if they're that effective, but are you just screwing yourself over, like making your early game quite hard, like to get yeah. to get rocked? Maybe. Of course, you know, in Alpha like the whole game just turns into terraforming at some point because sure. <laughs> there's so many goddamn options for terraforming in that game. Like, do I remove the rocks? Do I make the rocks better? Do I move the terrain up or down? Do I plant a forest? Do I build a rainfall generator? <laughs> Terrain stuff is super cool. Like in 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 Civ Six, like probably the biggest like uh, the biggest advantage you have, or the biggest thing that affects whether or not you can win in many ways is is there a, do you spawn with a mountain range between you and your enemies, or <laughs> or the next Civ over or whatever? Because they're just impossible to any unit. Yeah. So choke points. Like, yeah. So uh, if you have choke points, then you're fine. If you're stuck on a plane between two civs, you're boned. You're, you're boned. Yeah. <laughs> so, the vast majority of the time I play a civ game, I end up near a desert. And just, yeah. and just being like, oh, oh, okay, I've got quite a lot of area in which others can come at me. I mean, that's why I always lean in, like, Civ Five. I always preferred to play on, like, the island chain maps. Right. Like, you want, like, long, thin strips of land, because then that naturally gives you choke points. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Not, like, entirely island islands, just, like, thin continents. <laughs> mm. It's the same thing with like Factoria or whatever. You just want those bodies of water to make it so you don't have to build fully loops of walls all the way around your base. You just want nice bits of water so you don't have to bother with that. You can just wall off this little gap in between two bits of water. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, was it was it Sipai where they had that? Um, there was it the Great Wall wonder that would put the wall down. Oh, you can get that in, as China. But it put, put the wall down visually on yeah. the map where the yeah. borders were at that point in time, and then your borders would move, but the wall would stay where it was. Yeah. And it's like, I, which was kind of weird if you then lost territory, and it's, they push into your walls. I don't remember like, where, I think the, 
Yeah, but I think the effect still was just based on your territory. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't based on the visual, but I, 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 I kind of liked that. Because, yeah, of course it would work like that. <laughs> the wall's not going to move. <laughs> so the new expansion has, like, influencing cities of other civs that are near your borders, right? So you can gradually take them using culture, which, I guess. Which, you know, already existed in Civ 5. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As usual. Like, yeah, something that they've implemented in a DLC that already existed in the previous game. Yeah, well, well, that's what they're that. doing. What, what, are they, what are they adding again, sir? I missed that. It allows you to basically take over enemy cities by just being near them, being like, "Hey, look how cool our shit is," and then they then they rebel. Oh, right. <laughs> it's just a little bit like the religious system. Yeah, the religion and culture. You could do that in Civ Five yeah. as well. I don't. I don't like the religious system in Civ Six, though. Anyway, oh, oh, I didn't know. I. Yeah, I'd rather turn off the religious victory condition because it's really annoying trying to defend against. <laughs> it's like the mission. diplomacy victory, the classic. Yeah. Like you always turn off the UN because yeah, oh yeah. that was the dumbest yeah. thing. Which is like, here's a vote, you lose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's dumb. Yeah, I've had it also because I didn't understand the religious system. I had one long game where I lost out of the blue because I didn't see that they were taking all my. Yeah, I think I struggled. I, I I definitely struggled understanding how faith functioned in in five as well. It just seemed a bit. It's there, and it's a problem. And it was another one of those things. I don't quite know like, how I deal with it. You're having to waste even more time building more goddamn units. You have to build prophets and priests and whatever to make sure your religion doesn't get taken over and to yeah. spread your religion to the adjacent enemy civilizations and to just defend and yeah and to bolster your own religion inside your own borders. Also, like, you know, the science victory or whatever, I'm pretty sure that, like, putting lots of, building lots of, like, libraries and universities and research stations and stuff to get more science isn't actually the best way to get to that because you actually need production more than you need yeah. science. Because in the end, you're making large you to, bits of rockets. Yeah. <laughs> well, you need to get to that part of the science tree first, but then, yeah, yeah the to start building it. It takes but, a very long time. But yeah. You need to, once you've got there, pivot all your science into production. If into you production, then, yeah. That's why you're yeah. always hoping to get those one or two cities that have ridiculously high production compared yeah. to all your other cities and be like, this is where I'm going to make them be expensive here. These cities yeah. are probably going to have most of the wonders. <laughs> also, Gandhi was always the one to win science victories. Well, naturally. Yeah. He's all about nuclear weapons, and therefore he yeah. needs science. Yeah, he'd stockpile the biggest amount of nukes and then build the rocket. <laughs> just like in real life, except for not Gandhi. <laughs> just like it. it was America and not Gandhi. Ah, <laughs> uh, Siv. So are you a bit more down on this one compared to previous Sivs then? Is that the general Me? No, well, I think it looks amazing. And like, I don't know, it's a nice, it's quite cozy, but it's like, and, and, and cool, but like underneath, it's just the kind of the same thing. Plus, plus yeah. of course the classic problem of it being the, the, the cycle where they strip it back. And then, although six, Civ six was less stripped back and more complete when it came out, I think than like yeah. Civ five, but um, you still have because that problem. Religion was DLC in five. Exactly. That, that, those, those systems were. So religion was it, some of the culture it, stuff. I think was DLC in five, right? Like maybe espionage because that's in. Oh, six. espionage. Yes, yeah. that was it. That was so you've it. got religion and espionage in six from the from the beginning. Um, but 
Yeah, I'm not sure because this new expansion is going to add like eight ages, right, to try and spice it up a bit, right? So you can go into a dark age or a or a, like an enlightenment age or a renaissance oh, age. That... Golden ages were already in. So Golden yeah. age, right, yeah. yeah. I was about to say, haven't they done that before as well? Yeah, they've done everything before. <laughs> but it sound, sounds like, the, from your Hugo's description, like the underlying mechanics, actually, like the model that they use perhaps needs the, the biggest shake-up. Like, yeah, but they never seem to do that. Well, I mean, yeah. you'd think not... they could get the AI right by like hiring a massive bunch of, like, you know, machine learning experts and data scientists yeah, and stuff. The kind of people that make that can beat humans at Go, you'd think they'd be able yeah, to make yeah. Civ fun. <laughs> Civilization powered by Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, as but, we always said about Civ 5, it's like, you wouldn't even have to make the AI that much better. You just have no. to make it like compl- less dumb. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> archers, they stand behind the melee units. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, surely they could have thought about that a little by now. I had a bit more luck with diplomacy this this game. I've actually got some friends, which is quite hard. Yeah, always difficult. Yeah, everyone always hates you. Yeah. The default setting is. Also, trading. I always used to hate the AI trading. In... Yes, because they they don't understand what a good deal is. Or, no, well, or, they or a fair deal. They, yeah, they don't always, understand what a neutral deal is. No, it always had to be lopsided in their favour for them to agree with it, and it's um, otherwise they just wouldn't trade at all. Which isn't quite, you know. I want them to be desperate sometimes and put a bad deal out or accept a bad deal for them. Or just a neutral deal. Yeah, because it's, it's like that's what we did when we were trying to win between the two of us. It's like you just trade the we luxury resources one to one because yeah. then both people benefit. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but the computer will never works. accept that. Yeah. No, the computer always wanted something out of it more than you could. You know, it never it never benefited the player in an AI owned game. It's kind of weird how the like later strategic resources once you just once you research the tech that makes them appear, they then spawn outside of everyone's influence. So you have to. Is that what they do now? Yeah, that's what they do now. Because it always used to be you just have to. It would just be pure luck whether you were sitting on oil or whatever. Yeah, now you have to try and trade for the other things. Yeah, but I mean, maybe that luck makes more sense than like. I well, know. I mean, realistically, sure, but yeah, I guess in terms of, of balance, I guess in terms of a fair game, yeah, maybe yeah, that's a bit. I guess so. What you really want is a game where everyone's influence is so big by the time you reach that point, because you know everyone's been crap. So, like, there are no strategic resources. Like, yeah, because hey, everything is covered in the. We've discovered these things exist. Oh, or, except there's like one of them. Or just have like the strategic resources appear late enough in the game that like it becomes a matter of corporate control, where like. It's not necessarily based on what country the things in. It's like whichever country invests money into their corporations to go out there and get the resources, like mm. you know, sign up for mining deals and exploit other ter- other people's terrain. Essentially, yeah, that would be or, cool. You know, or maybe the game could just make a nice, a sensible judgment about you know where things should be in relation to the players um, at that point in time. Well, I mean, they, and, and then they, they always survey to- for them. They always, like, oh, so it's, they're, they're secretly not there. No, no, you it, just it, discover it, them, and they just happen to be exactly, in logical it, places. It, it figures it out uh, at the opportune moment, so you're not screwed over by it. But you still have to survey to find them or something. Yeah, so it doesn't look weird, but no. it still technically is weird. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> that would be cool. I was like, did you see? There's a new um, 
like a tycoonish game coming out. <laughs> yes, I did. A yeah. real tycoon, isn't it? And then I waited to see what the review said, and they said it's kind of bad. Is oh, it bad? As you would expect. But no. it, it sounds like it, and it, again, it sounds like they basically remade Railroad Tycoon 3 and didn't actually make it better. Just like how, you know, all these other games have done that with like Sea Skylands and whatnot. What where it's like you've remade the same thing, but you haven't actually improved the actual mechanics. Yeah. <laughs> well, those Skylines came out at the right moment where that's what everyone wanted. Well, and also it remade a good version of SimCity, whereas Railroad yeah. Tycoon 3 is quite old <laughs> so it's already kind of bad by modern standards and they didn't really succeed in improving it at all yeah fail. apparently the main problem with it is that like it has the railroad tycoon free thing where you can either choose to play in like easy mode where trains just phase through each other oh, right. or you can play in more realistic mode where you actually have to build like multi-directional track and signaling and whatnot. yeah, yeah. Like, you... like the original railroad <laughs> but if you turn on the advanced mode that only affects you and not the AI. <laughs> oh. Which obviously oh. makes it incredibly unbalanced. Oh, that's weird. That's... Mm. Well done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well done. They couldn't bring out AI, the classic problem with yeah. single livery. <laughs> I mean, we're poo-pooing it quite a lot, but I imagine that stuff's actually really quite different. Well, yes, AI programming is... <laughs> Not just AI programming, but AI programming that makes it beatable. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's not difficult to make a thing that can always beat a human. Yeah. But <laughs> making a thing that can fail sometimes is a lot more difficult. And realistically fallible. Yes. Like, they didn't just add a random factor to, like, here, okay, I've calculated the perfect result because that's what I can do. Now I need to fudge this somehow. Just throw in a random mistake somewhere. It's like when you play like uh, like Transport Tycoon, the really old AI of oh, that. Yeah. It's like that AI was like, you know, it could always work out a route, but it would be real bad at building it. You'd see them like constantly trying to replace bits of railway. And it's like, is it doing that just to try and balance it, making the AI spend extra money? And of course, that is easy to exploit. It's just like, I'm just going to build a little bit of rail around the end of your rail, and then you won't be able to pathfind out of it because you're a dumb AI. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I used to love that. Just, just use our. Yeah, I mean, I just love that as a random strategy in that game anyway. I'm just going to build annoying bits of rail that have no purpose but just to get in your way. <laughs> I mean, technically, it costs you money. Yeah. I mean, you could just buy the land instead because that was in transport taking. Oh, yeah. You just buy pieces of land and be like, no, you... although that was even more exploitable because then you didn't even have to build like anything that was even remotely functional. You could just wait for the AI to place a station and then just buy all the land around it <laughs> and be like, fuck you. That <laughs> <laughs> must have cost a lot of money, though. Not as much as you'd think, though. That's really? the trouble. Uh, right, land... You kind of hope that land purchasing was quite... No, yeah. Expensive. It was way too easy to screw people over by just buying that. Build another truck. Yep, build another truck. Build another truck. <laughs> Have we got a podcast? Yep, I think that's it. Cool. Thanks for joining us. Uh, catch you again in a couple of weeks for another sidecast. I'm sure we'll have some uh, videos up on uh, YouTube. Uh, Eats Munchies next week. Yeah, yes. check that out. For that hilarious video. Much, much failure. Much failure. Wasn't yeah. our fault, though. Oh, well, the video doesn't show. Well, I also how... don't mean that. Well, I did. 
I suppose that very briefly, I'm not going to talk about that game too much because the video will do all the talking. Yeah. Other than saying that game is unstable as hell, <laughs> like getting, getting it to run is a pain. Yes, and getting it to record was also a pain. Yeah. Possibly well, avoid. <laughs> Possibly avoid for that reason alone. <laughs> but you did go through all the effort to make a video, so do check go. that you out. Can, you can get the gist from that instead. <laughs> and then get the gist. Cool. Catch you in a couple of weeks. No, I'm stuck. <laughs> Rob's headphones are attached to the couch again. <laughs> Bye. Bye.